the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Tom Noonan, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, The Monster Squad, starring Andre Gower, Ryan Lambert, and Brent Chalem. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another nard-crushing episode of Podcasting After Dark. I am one half of the pad team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. I'll be showrunning the episode tonight. Joined with me, as always, is my beautiful partner in crime, Zach, a.k.a. Zachy Poo, a.k.a. Zach the Snack. What's up, my man? My name is Horace. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> what's happening i cannot wait to talk about today's movie tonight's movie today tonight depends on when you're listening to this bad boy but i uh, cannot wait to talk about oh this classic what a classic we're, we're breaking down tonight I, and what are we breaking down my friend of course we're breaking down 1987's the monster squad i mean i know this movie like the back of my hand which is such a weird thing to say by the way <laughs> back of my hand i don't know <laughs> You know, I actually don't really know the back of my hand all that well, but yeah, okay. I don't either. <laughs> but one of those things is is true. We are reviewing The Monster Squad, and this is thanks to our executive producer, Crystal, a.k.a. Uh, uh, Stiff Kitten on Instagram. She joined our Patreon at the uh, uh, the, the great titled tier. Uh, tell us or, or suggest a movie for us to review. I, I maybe need to retitle that uh, to be less yeah, on terrible. the nose. It's pretty terrible. But uh, she joined at that tier, and uh, now she is. She suggested or recommended or told us to review the Monster Squad, and like you said, a movie that you know like the back of my hand, and it's also a movie that I know like the back of my hand. It's a movie that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, growing up, this I saw this in the theater with my father and my cousin. Uh, when I would go down during summertime to stay with my dad, I had my cousins down there that I would hang out with. And uh, my dad took us to go see it, and it was the first movie in my life that I saw in the theater where the theater was empty. It was just us, and it was a freaking blast. We had so much fun watching this movie. Now, I don't know if we saw it opening weekend or if it was maybe like he had like a Tuesday or something off and we went like midweek or something, um, but it was awesome. It was empty, and it was a whole lot of fun. Uh, growing up, I, I watched the hell out of this movie. This was more my Goonies. So I love Goonies, guys. Don't don't crucify me. But I would usually choose to watch this over Goonies. This was my Goonies. This actually this and the Explorers, uh, Joe Dante's film. So that these were kind of my two favorites. And then when I got older and I got into the whole podcasting uh, scene. The first episode, or one of the first episodes that I ever recorded, ever, 
was the Monster Squad episode for the Blast From Our Past podcast. So go check that out if you get a chance. It's a lot of fun. I had a, I had a great time on it, but that was Baby Corey as a baby podcaster. And my God, I don't even know if I want to go hear what it sounds like now, but <laughs> I had a lot of fun on it. Zach, I know that you have a very close connection to this film as well. Uh, what, what's your, what is your connection, both past, present, and future? Yeah, very similar to yours. Uh, I saw it opening day or night uh, with my mom back back in '87. Uh, loved it then. Still love it now. It's that's no secret, no lie. It's just a plain honest truth. Uh, I ha- I watched it probably consistently once a year ever since uh, the minute it came out on VHS and probably illegally <clears throat> dubbed a copy from the local <laughs> video store. Um, but yeah, unfortunately when I saw it in the theater, I think it was empty as well. And as we very well know, it did not do very well at the box office, sadly enough. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love this film. It is my Goonies as well. Uh, I think in many ways it's actually trumped. Uh, I, God, I hate to use that term, but it is the only one Oof. that I can think of. Um, uh, it, it trumped uh, the Explorers for me because I think the third act of the Explorers is uh, falls a little flat. I, I think me- most people would agree with, with me on that. Um, but Monster Squad does not. At a cool, you know, 82 minutes or whatever it runs, it's like the perfect timing. It's it is one of the few films that got it right in the 80s as far as like not being too long, not being too short, just right. And yeah, I love this movie so much. I watched, besides watching it incessantly uh, on my other podcast, my sister wife, uh, $2 late fee, we we discussed the movie and the soundtrack specifically, and then we interviewed one of its stars, Andre Gower, uh, well, what, one of the main stars of the movie, um, to talk about his career, Monster Squad, obviously, and The Wolfman's Got Nards, which is a great documentary worth checking out if you are a Monster Squad fan and have not seen it yet. Or if you have, watch it again, because it's really good. Um, and it's like a love letter to this to this movie. And this will be our love letter. Thank you, Crystal, for recommending it, because if it wasn't for you, we might not break this movie down because it doesn't necessarily fall within the, the typical the, realm the of podcasting R. after dark. <laughs> rated <Really>? R. <laughs> Corey's, I, I'm like making boob hand signs <laughs> with, but I don't mean that. It was meant to do quotation marks. I do. But maybe, I do. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to say, you may not know the back of your hand, <clears throat> but the other side is a whole different story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. Anyways, no. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, no, this this movie is, is fantastic, and I can't wait to, to, to do it justice. Um, I yeah. think I have a feeling this is going to be a highly listened to episode. And so for everyone listening, uh, just know that, you know, if we miss something, we skip something, it's not because we didn't in, that that's not the intention like uh, obviously we just we're going to show a lot of love we'll break it down and do it justice well i have 18 pages of handwritten notes this is officially my uh, maybe my my warriors uh, remember because you said i think that was the most notes that you've ever done um and i think yep. this one is because it has a lot of quotes that i enjoyed and as you pointed out zach before we started recording uh it, it's it's a comedy so you we know that comedies take a little bit more to to break down and yeah i'm glad we're doing it and yeah it, it might not have ever popped up on podcast 
casting after dark because we try to focus on a bit more sleazy r-rated stuff but I love this movie, and I'm so glad we are actually going to give it the full-on pad treatment. So, again, another one more time. Thank you, Crystal. Go Make sure you go follow her on Instagram, Stiff Kitten. Uh, she's awesome. She's a lot of fun, and she's she's really cool. So, thank you, Crystal, for, for this, this gift of the Monster Squad. Uh, you want to jump into the awesome cast, crew, director, everybody, a writer? Oh, my God, we have so much to talk about. My God. Okay, where do we start? Let's start with the director, Fred Decker. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Fred Decker also directed, well, he wrote RoboCop 3 and The Predator. And he wrote and directed one of our, uh, well, definitely a cult favorite, uh, one that will guarantee, we guarantee this one will show up on our show, Night of the Creeps. I have a huge fondness and affinity for that film, but I'll save it for when we break it down. But yeah, he the guy is... Uh, you know, in many ways, like watching Wolfman's Got Nards and watching the documentary on the Lionsgate DVD, which I still own, and why there is not a Blu-ray of this, I have no idea. Maybe they're waiting for the 40th anniversary, perhaps, or 35th? I don't know. Um, but anyways, Fred Decker, is he he's such a talented dude, such a talented dude, and should be so proud. It's, it's, it's such a shame that he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves because the guy is a talented director. Uh, and I love Night of the Creeps. But yeah, he's the director of The Monster Squad. The writers. Uh, yeah, some dude named Shane Black. Yeah. Fred Decker wrote it also, but some guy named Shane Black. I don't even know who that is. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at his resume. He's got uh, Iron Man 3. He's got... Uh, I mean, give me a fucking break. It's, it's Shane Black. It's, it's you know. Shane Black, goddammit. <laughs> we all love Shane Black. Uh, you know... It, Aside from he's Hawkins and Predator, he's, I mean, dude, like besides Lethal Weapon and and all those amazing movies, like the newer stuff that he's done, like writing The Nice Guys and and directing that and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, those are freaking amazing. Last Boy Scout, all that kind of stuff, man. Shane Black is a quintessential 80s, 90s writer, movie writer. Yeah, he's an icon too. Um, These two dudes could do no wrong back in the day uh so yeah big props to to the fact that these guys are both responsible for making a childhood favorite that to this day obviously is 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 is, uh it's it's a classic yep um but let's get to the cast but before we get to the cast i do want to really quick touch on two notable people in the special effects team one was stan winston uh, the creatures were all designed by him in his workshop. Uh, I, most notably, the Wolfman is actually designed to sort of look like Stan Winston. And when you know that fact, you can't unsee it. And my entire <laughs> life, I, you know, obviously, as you and I both, you know, we grew up reading uh, Fangorias and stuff. We knew who Stan Winston was. For, I'm not going to fucking lie to you. The whole, my entire life, the Wolfman looked familiar to me, and I didn't know why, and it wasn't until pretty much right now at 43 that I figured out why, because he's designed to sort of look like Stan Winston. Um, The other... The other notable uh, special effects supervisor, the visual effects supervisor, was Richard Edland, who famously created Boss Studios. Um, he worked on the, the original Star Wars trilogy, but then also worked on Ghostbusters. He is a huge name in visual effects. 
Unfortunately, I think the uh, vortex slash void in this movie leaves something to be desired. <laughs> and, and it's honestly, truly, I'm just going to talk about it now. Uh, this movie was, like we said, made in 1987. The, there's so much that holds up about it. Honestly, the t- yeah. there's only two things that don't kind of hold up. The vortex void effects aren't that great, but passable. Um, and some of the... Uh, homophobic dialogue in the in the film are really the only two things that kind of like date it, you know. But other than that, for a yeah. movie, uh, the special effects are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about the the dialogue. Um, it, it's very much a product of its time. Yeah, it's very much like look at Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure that everybody goes, oh my gosh, this, this is so great. Which I love it. I love Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But that scene where they hug each other and they step back and they're like they call each other something that you can't even say nowadays, or shouldn't say nowadays. Uh, you know, it's 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 we've talked about this no. before on the show. It's a product of its time. Um, you know, Corey and I don't sit around and talk like that. <laughs> But you know it. It is what it is, guys. It is what it is. No, no, we don't. We don't talk about it now. And I know we both uh, uh, removed those words from our lexicon. Um, but this movie and Bill and Ted's is one of the reasons why I would say those words a lot in derogatory terms, more towards each other. Like it, you, you say it as guys, usually you say it towards each other. Um, but anyways, I don't know. I don't want to dive into that. It's it is what it is. You know, we, we know that. <laughs> There's no cancel culture here, but I just wanted to call those two things out because it illustrates how much actually holds up about this film. And I noticed that when I was watching it, you know, for the breakdown and everything, I was like, damn, this movie almost 100% across the board holds up except for those two minor, minor things. Yeah, my God. I mean, there's a couple moments at the end when the the, the vortex hits and and there's like a street post that rolls by Sean when he's battling Dracula. And it like kind of flops down the street and I'm like, oh, that's a fun like earthquake moment. Um, <laughs> if you don't know, if you've never seen Earthquake, go watch that. It's hilarious. There's like a brick that falls on someone's head and it bounces off. It's really funny. <laughs> and it's not intentional <laughs> at all. Good stuff. Anyways, uh, the cast. Andre Gower plays Sean. Uh, Andre was a mainstay back in the day on television and, uh, and, and, and in movies and He's done a he's done a bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, he what I appreciate and he's still working to this day, by the way. But one thing that stood out to me and I talked to him about it on our interview on two dollar late fee uh, was his appearance uh, for four episodes on the Square One TV show, which was in uh, MathNet was oh. the show that he was on. And he played Eddie Rimshot Harris. Um he was in four episodes of Square One, and I think one on MathNet. But anyways, just, you know, he, he's a really good guy, um, and I would always love to see more of, him on, more of him on screen. It's so great that he's, that Monster Squad has gotten such a resurgence over the past few years, so it's obviously, you know, kept him active. And, um, you know, go check out it. Go check out our interview if you want to know more about him or follow him on Instagram. Unfortunately, he suffered a massive heart attack not that long ago. And um, But thank the gods he's recovering and getting better. And a big shout out to you, Andre, if you're listening. Uh, happy to know you're making your way down the path of the recovered one. Yeah, yeah. shout out to Andre, man. Ho- hope you're doing good, man. I'm going to go out of order from what IMDb lists because... Part of me is like, nah, I would not. I could see Robbie Robbie Kiger Kiger getting 
build second as Patrick. Uh, hasn't done a whole lot outside of the Monster Squad, uh, Children of the Corn, which is awesome, and we'll get to that. So when we get to that, we'll have to keep an eye out for him. Yeah, that's a that's a movie I liked as a kid. I watched uh, that a lot when it, with, with Luke as a kid. Yeah, ditto, ditto. And Brent Shalem, Brent Shalem is who plays Horace, sadly passed away at the age of twenty two. Uh, such such a bummer. The guy was such a talent, and in the Wolfman got Wolfman's got Nards documentary. They do a really nice tribute to him in that. So, you know, just a FYI. Those are like the top three main kind of buddies to start with. And then yeah. we've got Ryan Lambert, who plays Rudy. And Ryan Lambert is iconic from the 80s. I mean, he was on Kids Incorporated, for God's sakes. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be him so bad, but so did everybody else in this world. There's a great uh, fan magazine called I Heart Rudy. And uh, I know she's on Instagram as well. I don't know the name of the person that runs it, but she's in the documentary too. Just a great fan mag. Has a lot of memorabilia from Monster from the Monster Squad. Definitely worth checking out on Instagram. Stephen Mock plays uh, Sean's dad, Dell. I know him from Transfers Four and the Graveyard Shift. Um, <laughs> Graveyard Shift is actually pretty good. It's not that bad. It's pretty decent. Yeah, I like that movie a lot, actually. I remember watching that. Honestly, I know him mostly from the Monster Squad. But every time I see him in anything, I'm always like, hey, it's the dad in Monster Squad. It's Dell. It's, it's Dell, the dad. Dad Dell. <laughs> <laughs> um, playing Sean's mom is Mary Ellen Trainer, who, I mean, everybody knows who she, you'll You'll know her from everything from the Goonies. She's like the mom, the quintessential mom. She was yes. the mom in Goonies. Uh, she was not the mom in Die Hard, but she was in Die Hard. She was in the Lethal Weapon series as a police psychiatrist. So in a way, she was the mom to the cops, yeah. if you think about it. Yeah, no, that's true. That's that's actually really, really true there. But yeah, dude, and, and I think this movie helps in my head solidify her, her momness because, yeah, I, anytime I see her, I immediately always get mom vibes from her. Mom vibes. And I remember her first seeing her on screen in Romancing the Stone when she played Kathleen Turner's sister in mm. that. And I believe that's where she met her future husband, Robert Zemeckis. Oh. Um, fun fact. And she sadly died in 2015. Um, I'm going to try and not sadden anybody by all the deaths. I think we're yeah. done with that. Um, Duncan Rieger plays Count Dracula. The guy is phenomenal. I, I mostly know him from that as well. But if you go on his IMDb, he's got what looks like a picture from Spartacus. Um, but it's the last days of Pompeii, which looks like a <laughs> television series or something, miniseries. So I'm going to say it now, and I'm going to back it up throughout the course of this breakdown. But... I make no bones about it. Duncan Rieger as as this version of Dracula in The Monster Squad is one of my favorite movie Draculas. Probably wasn't until Bram Stoker's Dracula came along, kind of maybe edged him out from number one. But hmm. at this point, it might be tied. I, I don't know. But I've always loved this version of Dracula, and I think he's fucking brutal as fuck, especially when he's walking down the street just fucking breaking cops' necks left and right. Like, dude, yep. he's he's not somebody to fuck with. So, you know, I and I know this movie's, like, fun, and it's a comedy, but, dude, honestly, it's funny because they pulled off one of my favorite and I think one of the most intimidating screen Draculas of all time. Fair enough. Okay, okay, so... More than Klaus Kinski and Nosferatu? 
I watched Creature the other day, um, 1985's Creature, and it was the first fucking Klaus Kinski I've ever, movie I've ever seen in my life. <gasps> really? I got to see Zach's face just go huge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my face went huge. My jaw just just dislodged. Uh, well, first of all, you need to see uh, Aguirre, Wrath of God, directed by Klaus Kinski. That movie, and watch that movie high. Uh, I wouldn't. I didn't. But you should. And <laughs> you don't I condone you'll it. Have your, yeah, you. Uh, you'll enjoy yourself uh, okay. immensely. Okay. Yeah, Aguirre, Wrath of God, and then see the documentary My Best Fiend because he's fantastic in that. Anyways, um, yeah. Speaking of monsters, Tom Noonan plays Frankenstein, and uh, we all at Pad very well know who Tommy Noonan is. He's obviously my favorite from Manhunter. Uh, Corey's from Robert Cop Part Two, but uh, <laughs> we interviewed the guy on Interviews After Dark, and if you haven't listened to that interview, it's really good. It's different. Yeah. Um, one of more more different interviews we've done. He doesn't do a lot of interviews, so this was very unique. And like during the height of the the height of the pandemic, um, the height or the low, ongoing, what, by the way. <laughs> whatever you whatever you want to say, the height or the low of it, but like essentially balls deep of in the pandemic. And uh, yes, he he was he was very gracious to to do the interview with us, uh, especially since. Things, some things weren't really going that well in, in his life at the time. So we, we hope that things are uh, better. And, uh, you know, if you listen to the interview, you'll, you'll know what we're talking about. Um, but, yeah, he was, he was a good dude in a very, very interesting story. He was like a, like a journeyman musician before he, he became uh, an actor and just definitely a kind of guy who can literally do anything he puts his mind to, uh, a, a, a force of nature. But um, he is absolutely brilliant as uh, the Fra- as Frankenstein's monster in this film, I'm just gonna also throw out a caveat and say, guys and gals, I'm gonna call him Frankenstein during the whole entire film. I know, I know. It's even in the movie. His he, his name is the monster, but come on, that, there's no personality to that. I will call him Frankenstein for the whole movie. Please don't butcher me for it. <laughs> I won't. Um... Really quick, really quick. I just want to. Uh, John Grease plays the Wolfman, and who he's played the Wolfman, obviously in Fright Night Part Two. My favorite role of his of all time is Laszlo Hollyfeld from Real Genius. The man is a legend in my mind. He can do no wrong in my mind. Uh, modern day fans would remember him as Uncle Rico from <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. That was probably the guy is a tour de force. He's a tour de force. So, and he, of course, he was in Terror Vision, a movie that we reviewed yes. way, way early on. I think it was almost like what our within our first five movies. So I think we did uh, was Terror Vision, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And he's great in that movie. Yeah, I would Terrorvision, OD and Laszlo are my two favorite roles of his. Um God, I'd love to have him on the show. But anyways, yeah, such a such a great talent. Uh really quick, I just want to say Stan Shaw plays Detective Sapir. Stan Shaw is a really he's a really cool actor. Uh he's been in a ton of stuff from Daylight and Rising Sun and Cutthroat Island and 
the guy is consistently working, but I, I know and love him mostly from this, from this movie specifically, but he has been in a ton of different things throughout the last 30, 40 years. Yeah. I probably know him the, the most from this, you know, but like, you know, I watch something like Cutthroat Island or whatever, which I'm, I'm kind of a fan of because I like uh, uh, Gina Davis and Rennie Harlan. Um, but every time I see him, I'm always like, Hey, it's the detective that blows up in the car from monster squad, but he's great. He's so much fun uh in this movie you know i really really like him you know but it's it's just funny thing is same thing kind of goes for leonardo uh camino who plays scary german guy yeah i always he's done so much stuff uh but in dune i either i kind of either see him first as either dune or the monster squad those are probably two movies that i watched roughly around the same time for the first time and so he kind of stuck out in my head but I always enjoy seeing him whenever he pops up in something. Unfortunately, he passed away in uh, 2012, but at the age of 94. So he had a very, very good life. As I say, uh, he had a great run. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Which uh, (laughs) always gets my uh, co-host on $2. Like, he's like, you have to always say that about people. I'm like, yeah, I mean, he had a good run. 94 is good. It's it is. really good. (laughs) It is. It's not like he died when he was like 36 or something. That'd be terrible. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's the last time we're going to mention someone dying in reality sense. Uh, oh, 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 sorry, sorry. I, I got to point out um, David Faustino, you know, from Married with Children. His little brother plays uh, Eugene. Oh, no shit. Michael I, Faustino. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw the Faustino and I was I was like, oh, is that? And I looked it up and I, I, I was like, oh, it's not him from um, Married Children. So my brain didn't kind of go any further, but he's actually related uh, to Michael Faustino. OK. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then EJ is played by Jason Hervey to, to round out the uh, television bit because he obviously was from from the Wonder Years. But uh, also he was a a booker or a commentator for WCW for a really long time because oh. he's a big wrestling fan. Oh, I see. And, and, and <laughs> just like uh, uh, the mom is the quintessential mom in my head, I mean, he's the quintessential bully, uh, partially because of this movie. And, you know, he was the older brother in, in uh, The Wonder Years, and he kind of bullied a little bit, you know, and everything, as, as older brothers are wont to do. But in my head, he's the visual face of the quintessential 80s bully. Yeah, I mean, he was a he was a dick in um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure too. Yeah, there you go, there you go. So he's good at playing that role. Own that's, it. That's right. That's right. So, all right, man. It's it's a fantastic cast. Uh, I can't wait to to jump into this because um, I freaking love this movie. So you know, you want to just freaking take that vortex and go right on in. Let's take that bad CGI vortex and go down that road. call when you have ghosts but who do you call when you have monsters we're the monster squad what's a squad it's like miami vice i think they're young and inexperienced naughty virgin they're a bit disorganized monsters are not real we don't know that sir two thousand year old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves But when strange things start happening in town... There's a monster in my closet. Ooh! Look at that big, scary monster! What's happening? Do I kill a werewolf? Silver bullet? They're the only ones ready to do battle. Something down there is killing people. And if it's monsters, nobody's gonna do a thing about it but us. Soon the creatures of the night 
remember? Maybe if we can be like Mask One instead, you know, do Mask Bombs. We got a 1035, sit back up, hurry up! By midnight, you guys. they won't seem so young anymore. The Monster Squad. Wolfman's gone. Before we get into that opening text, I gotta say, I think the TriStar logo is one of my favorites of all time. I love that music, and I just love, yeah, I just love it. I don't know why, man. It it fills my heart with joy. So, you know what else fills my heart with joy? This, uh, This opening text. Please read it to us. 100 years before this story begins, it was a time of darkness in Transylvania, a time when Dr. Abraham Van Helsing and a small band of freedom fighters conspired to rid the world of vampires and monsters, and to save mankind from the forces of eternal evil. They blew it. <laughs> Dude, I love that Like that whole beat. They wait for the, the scroll to go up, and it's black for a second, and then up scrolls, they blew it. Like, how yep. freaking genius is that? It's great. It's great. It is. It is. Uh, it sets the tone from the get-go. You know, in the in Wolfman's Got Nards, I think it was Shane Black or Fred Decker or both said. You know, they wanted to basically make an Elvis, um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein for kids. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a, like a or a kid version of that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it, it, it totally set the tone. It's great. And, and you're right, because just think of, like, how different it would be tonally if it just said they failed, like something a bit more bland. But it says they blew it. <laughs> you just blew right it. there, you're like, you know, you guys fucking blew it, guys. <laughs> yep. You blew it. They blew it. You oh, know? man. And it's great. Yeah, because you, you take this, like, ooh, you're going down this dark path. And then they blew it. <laughs> they blew whop, it. Whop, <laughs> whop, whop. <laughs> we get a nice. Or it would be. Uh, we get an awesome title card for the monster squad over top of a spooky cemetery the camera pans across said spooky cemetery to reveal dracula's castle off in the distance great matte painting by the way yeah so good by the way part two i fucking love matte paintings ditto (laughs) Deep in the castle's basement, we see multiple coffins grouped together in a room. We see armadillos scurrying around and bats overhead. And uh, I know armadillos aren't a native to Transylvania, but this was actually an homage uh, to uh, the the original Dracula film because there were uh, armadillos in that as well. So this is kind of like an homage. At first I was like, oh, that's silly. But then I read it. I was like, okay, that's cool. One of the coffin lids slides open and spiders crawl out and we see some fingers reach from within. The camera pans up to the ceiling and we see a huge, grotesque bat hanging upside down. With some clever editing, we see the bat's hands transform into a human and Dracula lands on the ground by the coffins. He examines the coffins while bats fly all around. I want to call out how awesome 
how well done that transformation scene was because they you you see his hand he kind of shoots his hand out as a bat but then you see his hand kind of he kind of flips up and grabs uh the pillar or whatever with his regular hand but you can tell there's no clothing on it and then he lands fully clothed and i'm like that's great fucking editing and it's you don't have to like show too much special effects no it's really well done um that the, the hand is creepy too. Yeah. Like it kind of goes from like a little hokey with the, with the, the bats, you know, chirping or whatever. And then, uh, and then it goes into it and you're just like, Ooh, yeah, this is intense. I love it. Cause when he does land and stand up, there's some clearly fake bats flying around on, on cords. But dude, yeah. knowing that they wanted to make an Abbott and Costello style movie, it almost feels like it's hokey by design in, in some yeah. parts. And, like, yeah. to the point where, like, I think it helps because, I mean, there's a lot of violence in this movie. Truly, there is. And a lot of it's freaking done by uh, uh, Dracula on those cops later. And I think it's nice to have these silly moments uh, to let the kids kind of breathe, you know? The, the viewers, yeah. kid viewers. I didn't. Uh, I don't remember being traumatized by this as a kid. Probably mm. because my brother had traumatized me prior to all the other horrible, grotesque, awesome movies that he showed me back in the day. Uh, but I remember Bodie. I showed Bodie this when he was like maybe five, uh, five years old, and he was pretty freaked out by it. And then subsequently, we watched it probably two or three times since. He's now seven, and he loves it. So okay. there you go. Cool. That's awesome, dude. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. We're you're you're keeping the monster squad alive, baby. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Outside the castle, we see an angry mob approach led by Van Helsing. Two guys throw a stick of dynamite under the main gate, exploding the doorway into the castle. As the door explodes, we see a female vampire inside eating a possum. She throws it down as Van Helsing and his men enter the castle. She hisses and Van Helsing shoots her with a stake crossbow. So and then, you know, the flip side of the coin of the bats and everything, I think it's a freaky shot when they walk in there and she's kind of like standing there just eating yeah. a possum. Just It's like th there's so many – This actually I think this movie's beautifully shot. I, I think the cinematography is fantastic and great, like sets the tone because the world that the monsters inhabit is scary. It's sort of the kid's interpretation of it that kind of keeps it more, uh, you know, light and, 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 you know, easy to sort of digest. Well, it is a kid's movie, you know, yeah. so it, it's got to have those elements. It, it, it's interesting, though, that scene reminded me of the movie Waxwork that came out the year later in 88. <laughs> a movie that you and I discussed on a wrap-up after dark because uh, our buddy David wanted to finally put it to rest because you don't like that movie. Uh, other people do. And then you know, David wanted to know sort of my opinion. So I watched it and we talked about it on a wrap-up after dark. Yeah, speaking of uh, Dracula's Miles O'Keefe, is that his name? Miles O'Keefe? I think it is. Anyways, um, yeah, not a very good Dracula in my opinion. But uh, but but the the vampire, you know, his, his vampire women um, are like I felt like they ripped off Monster Squad a little bit from this because it just it has a very similar vibe to me to me. For the brides, yeah, and I, I refer to them yeah. as the brides later, uh, especially in like in the climax area. 
If only Fred Decker and Shane Black had written Waxwork, it might be a different story. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> oh, God, Waxwork. If only uh, David <laughs> Irons had written Waxwork, it'd be a different story. There you go. Maybe You know what, David? Why don't you why don't you write a remake of, of Waxwork? <laughs> Dude, do it. And then finally, finally put it to rest. Is it Waxwork or Waxworks? <laughs> um Van Helsing. Wax won't work. <laughs> oh no, good one. That was a good one. Sorry. No, that's good. <laughs> I approve. I like that. I'm just one. getting started. <laughs> You're like, I'm settling <laughs> Guys, in. Guys, for for the for those of you that are uh, new to podcasting after dark, when I'm not show running, I add a lot of meaningless commentary. <clears throat> <laughs> I love it, buddy. It's meaningful to me. Um, Van Helsing approaches an amulet that's in a stone in the middle of the room. It's glowing. He checks his pocket watch and, is, and says, three minutes, the girl, now. Someone from his group brings a young girl into the <laughs> castle. Poor, this poor girl. She's barefoot and terrified. The girl stands in front of the ambulance and reads in German as Van Helsing yells at her to read faster. By the way, that doesn't help. As the ambulance no. is, is magically charging, the windows explode and the ground starts to buckle and open up. The dead begin to rise. Van Helsing looks back at the girl and yells, Read or we're all gonna die! <laughs> and my note here is, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> uh, the girl keeps frantically reading and the amulet is almost fully charged. All of a sudden, <laughs> our favorite giant vortex in space opens up where the amulet was and starts sucking everything in. <laughs> the virgin is the first one to go. <laughs> I texted Zach when I was watching it. I was, I was like, I love how Van Helsing was like, just dives out of the way. He's like, fuck that bitch. And she just gets sucked right in. <laughs> well, you know, he's, he's, what, what is she going to do? What is she going to do in a battle? When versus what he's going to do. That's right. Uh, as Van Helsing is holding onto the ground for dear life, a zombie corpse pops up and starts fighting with him. Uh, all around, Van Helsing's men are getting sucked in. Uh, I, and my favorite is, we see it here and we see it in the, the, the climax, but I love that you see one of the, the vampire corpse just sliding across the ground with the stake in it. And guys and gals, like, oh. you know, it's it's cool and all that we live in a post-Blade world where when you, or post Buffy world when you stab the uh, the the vampire they turn into a skeleton and disappear that's cool and all but I kind of like the fact that their body just stays there and gets sucked into the void like a piece of crap just getting sucked in there yeah I mean we could do a top five uh, steak kills sometime and uh, discuss our favorite ways vampires have been disposed in movies um, which actually is a great topic yeah that's take a mental one. note of that one yeah. yeah, but uh, but I, I agree with you, man. Like, I love seeing a dead body on the ground <clears throat> in movies. And I also like that we don't see what happens to Van Helsing. He's just fighting, you know, that zombie while everything's happening around him, and then it cuts to black. Love that. Me too. I think that's awesome. We fade into a shot of the camera panning down to reveal an elementary school and a title card that reads present day. Kids are all leaving school at the end of the day. Inside the school, Sean and Patrick are meeting with the principal. <laughs> he, pu he pulls out their file folders and throws them on the desk. They're filled with discipline and reports. Lots of them. <laughs> he also pulls out a picture of a spider with a human head. Sean says they have a monster club and they draw stuff like that for the clubhouse. The principal corrects them and says they drew it in Mrs. Carlson's science class when they were supposed to be paying attention. 
I have to interrupt you and just say, because he's like, what is this? <laughs> the spider with human head? We'll see the spider with a human head. <laughs> I love how they, they explain it to him. They're like, yeah, it eats eats things. <laughs> it eats people. I love it. And it's a fun little drawing, too. I think it's great. Yeah, it's cool. Patrick says Mrs. Carlson is a nice teacher and all, but she's boring and has an odd-shaped head. That's why, she, <laughs> that's why Sean calls her Meow Mix. And I love when you watch it, like, right when he says it, Sean's face just changes. Like, what the fuck? Why'd you throw me under the bus? And I love that, Meow Mix. But uh, he says, uh, that's why Sean calls her Meow Mix, because her head is shaped like a cat head. <laughs> but I don't, sir, of course. How rude. <laughs> How rude. <laughs> Uh, I fucking. I mean, that that dialogue's great. I'm not gonna lie. Well, guys, here's the deal. Like, uh, I this this movie was a game changer for me. I'm sure Corey's the same way. I I mimicked everything about this movie. I think I became much more sarcastic because of this movie. Because <laughs> I saw my peers, people my age, doing this shit, and I'm like, I want to do. I want to have a monster squad. I want to draw cool pictures like that too, which I was. Me too. Specifically like that. I want to make cool, you know, ID cards and stuff. And, oh, God, I'm watching it again for like the umpteenth time. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. I think this movie might mark one of the few times where you and I have exactly the same experience with the film and the same love for it. Usually you're showing me stuff I've never seen before and I'm showing you things that you're like, what the hell am I watching here? <laughs> Hardware. But anyways, so this, uh, I do love what the principal says because boys, I hear you. I was a kid once. I thought monsters were cool and maybe I'm just a big kid because Sean, Patrick, I think science is cool. I do Dig it, man. And as I'm listening to him talk, I'm like, I can remember every inflection that he has because I've seen this movie so many fucking times. Uh, he, he says the issue is the, he says the issue is science is real. Monsters are not. Sean retorts with, we don't know that. And the principal looks pissed. Cut to a fun scene with the problematic dialogue. But, you know, like you said earlier, this movie is very influential on me, and I do also think that this movie really captures the way 12-year-olds talk, uh, specifically 12-year-old boys. Okay. Yeah, uh, what, what they thought Mr. Carlson was doing really, uh, you know, <clears throat> going out on something. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm just, I, I quoted it. I'm going to just walk us through it, guys, and uh, I, I think it's hilarious. I think it's fun. Uh, Patrick goes, he touched me and patted my shoulders and stuff. Sean says, this guy was fully homoing out. I love how Patrick goes, I smell like the 40s. <laughs> and then Sean's like, he's like lamenting, when they send you to school, why don't they tell you about the homos and the people with cat heads? And then they run right into Mrs. Carlson. And I appreciate the fact that like they did her hair up to kind of look like cat ears, you know? Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> and as they're walking away from Mrs. Carlson, Sean's making meow noises. Patrick goes, she's married, Sean. Sean goes, oh, my God, some guy kisses her at night? <laughs> and Patrick says, a priest said, I now pronounce you man and wife, and it was okay with him? I love that. <laughs> and then Sean says, hey, where's fat kid? <laughs> Outside on the playground, we see fat kid. AKA Horace being picked on by EJ and Derek. 
Uh, another thing that I did this whole time, because I was a fat kid growing up, uh, very much looked like Horace as a kid, also very much wore the TNC surf design shirts that he wears throughout this movie. Uh, by the oh, yeah. way, in the year 2021, I want every single outfit that Horace has because they're all freaking amazing. But moving forward, I do not refer to him as fat kid. I refer to him as Horace in solidarity. And I applaud that. But I in, in 2021, they the the TNC brand is back. By the way, is it? So you can, what? Yes. No. Yeah. Uh, are you yeah. Uh, seriously? You just fucking blew my mind. And and one of the things that I loved about TNC was was their artwork. I love their cartoony yep. artwork and their characters. By the way, I fucking played the shit out of the TNC Nintendo game as well back in the day. So I am on board for a TNC comeback. I, I still have that game, by the way. I have it on a Raspberry Pi. I, I would. You know, I'm surprised no one, maybe TNC, will created like muscle style figures of of those characters because those are kind of at this point like iconic '80s mascots. Yeah, I think I feel like somebody did. Um, I know they have lapel pins of all the characters as oh, well. Cool. Yeah, um, lapel. Yeah, uh, shout out to my buddy. <laughs> Uh, they, they used to make them. I don't think they make them anymore, but no, the TNC, the TNC brand is back. Um, I didn't just do a search on online. I'm sure. Oh, no, I mean, that's what I'm doing the moment we're done recording. Literally that just became my number one priority because I love TNC. <laughs> you have no idea guys. Uh, anyways, I, I can tell. Outside, yeah. You're like, I didn't see the conversation going in this direction at all. Uh, so anyways, outside he's in being the previous episode. <laughs> Uh, he's getting picked on by EJ and uh, Derek. Uh, EJ smacks the Snickers out of Horace's hand and mashes it with his shoe. Horace says, I have a glandular problem, okay? At least I don't have a stupidity problem. This, of course, pisses EJ off, and he grabs Horace's Wonder Woman comic and rips it in half. That that pissed me off as a kid because, you know me, I'm a comic yeah. reader. Yep, I, I don't blame you. Horace mumbles, such an asshole. And EJ yells, would you say F word? And we're not talking about fuck. Nope, we're not. When Horace mumbles it again, EJ tackles him and starts beating on him. Just then, Rudy rolls up on his bicycle. Fucking Rudy, man, he's awesome. He rolls up on his bicycle and lights a match off the bottom of his own shoe and then lights a cigarette. You will notice that he doesn't drag from it and then you never see him smoke a cigarette again. And I think that's that's a smart play because he's in junior high. Yeah, I mean, with his penny loafers. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's because he, dude. We've talked about that before. How in the '80s there was such like a, a '50s trend going on back then. So like how because everything's always like 30 years prior, and how like now the '80s is big now. You know, because it always comes in weird cycles like that. Totally, totally. EJ and Derek get off Horace. He, he's kind of crying right now. Rudy says, "I see you met my friend Horace." Rudy asks Horace if he's okay, and EJ tries to protest, but Rudy shushes him. Rudy says, you dropped your candy bar, EJ. EJ says, it's his. Rudy goes, it's yours now. EJ goes, Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> Rudy. <laughs> and then Rudy goes, eat up, and we'll call it a day. I love how, like, yep. EJ picks it up, <laughs> picks up the candy bar, kind of, like, looks around, kind of like, oh, man, I know it. Bites into yep. it, and everybody yells, ew, and then Horace smiles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It's great, I dude. Love it. And, and this this movie has another thing. Like Rudy's so freaking awesome because, dude, as a kid, I love the idea of like the older kid protecting like the the nerd kid or whatever. I always love that character's sort of style and everything. Well, it just and it just gets to the point too. It doesn't it doesn't meander. This movie never meanders, obviously, because it's like eighty two no. minutes long. It doesn't feel like uh, you know the, the, that scene could have gone on too long, but it doesn't. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, this movie is incredibly well-paced. Yeah, totally. Cut to Sean and Patrick walking home from school and debating whether the Wolfman can drive a car or not and whether or not he needs pants. (laughs) Phoebe runs by as they're talking. The three of them walk up to a fence of an old house. Phoebe says she saw a scary German guy watching them. We kind of see the curtains, you know, sort of close, you know, from one of the windows. Patrick says, maybe he's a German spy. Sean says, they aren't at war with Germany. Phoebe says, we're at war with Vietnam. It's in Rambo. I love that line. I just want to point out Phoebe the Phoebe. Uh, you know, I, obviously I didn't run down the entire cast of the Monster Squad. Well, I pretty much did. Ashley Bank plays Phoebe. Uh, and and just want to point that out, but she's so great, dude. Like every line that she utters in this movie is gold, and in the delivery is perfect. It just, <laughs> I think when they're like calling her Phoebe the Phoebe, I'm just like, what, what does that even mean? But it's so demeaning to her. You know? But 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 because of this movie, I can't hear the word the name Phoebe without thinking Phoebe the Phoebe. And I've. <laughs> I've said it before on the show, and I make no bones about the fact that I'm not a big fan of, like, kid actors and stuff like that. But, like, you know, yep. sometimes it's annoying and everything to watch them in movies. But Phoebe is fantastic this entire movie, as well as all the other she kids. But, but Phoebe's just great, dude. Yeah, totally. She really is. Just then, Horace jumps out and scares them as he yells, You guys missed it! He says that Rudy saved his life and asks if he can join the Monster Club. The three of them, plus Phoebe, huddle up to discuss it while Rudy watches them. Patrick says, Sean, he's in junior high. Phoebe says, I heard he killed his dad. Horace says, get out of here, Phoebe the Phoebe. (laughs) And she leaves, very sad. Uh, Sean says they should let him in on one condition, monster test. They walk away as Phoebe's looking at the house, and she sees scary German guy look through the curtains at her. She runs back to them, screaming, scary German guy! (laughs) Cut to to a cargo plane flying through the air. I don't know why, but I love this little, these pilots. I love both of them. I don't know why. One of the pilots is... Well, I went to, like, one of them looks like uh, Chippendale... uh, it's like, is it Chippendale? And then they're like two disjointed pilots. Like one's dressed like kind of professionally and the other one looks like he's like an adventure guy. Yeah, it's, it's but I like it. I do too. It's This could have been a nothing scene, but but it's, it's filled with personality just like every scene in this movie. Every scene is filled chock full of personality. And I'm, and I appreciate the way it ends too. Me we'll too. To that in a second. One of the pilots is complaining about transporting coffins and dead bodies in a World War II bomber. His co-pilot points out that the dead bodies don't complain, get airsick, or ask for more of those little almond things. They're <laughs> called almonds. They're just called almonds. You don't have to ask for those little <laughs> almond things. Uh, I love the pilot. The pilot says, "You're right. This is a great job. I'm really happy." <laughs> <laughs> 
they then hear a thud from the cargo hold. The pilot says he's going to go back and check it out, and the co-pilot flies the plane and makes spooky sounds. Yeah, I'm going to sit here and make spooky sounds. I'm like, <laughs> dude, shut up. Don't be a dick. The, pi- the pilot makes his way into the back and looks around with a flashlight. We see lots of boxes and one giant human-sized box in the middle. As the pilot walks towards the box, a bat flies towards him. He dodges it, but when he stands back up, Dracula is right behind him. And this is a cool camera shot because the camera's right at him. He dodges, and the camera kind of like goes down with him. But then when it comes back up, the Dracula act, the actor's right there. So he had to actually physically like move there. It's good. I like little in-camera stuff like that, you know? Yeah, it's creepy, too. Mm-hmm. The pilot turns around, and Dracula backhands him, sending him to the ground. Dracula walks over to the huge box and touches it. We see written on it, Frankenstein... Bavaria. Just then, the pilot pulls the lever for the bomb bay, dropping the box out of the plane. This is a cool shot because Dracula is standing where the bomb bay opens up, but he's standing there over the hole floating. He th- uh, his cape gets sucked off. He then turns into a bat and flies down in pursuit of the box while the pilot watches from the bomb bay. We see the box and the coffin splash into a swamp. And the camera pans up and we see Dracula and Batform hanging in the shade under a tree. What a cool scene, dude. Yeah, it's, it, the, the, there's a little day for a night shot action going on there where I'm like, oh, is it is it daytime or is it morning? Yeah, I, I think it's actually daytime. Like, I, and I think that's why he's in the shadow of the tree or whatever. But maybe it's one of those things where he can kind of like, you can't stay in the daylight too long. So he can, he can fly in it really quickly. Or maybe just in bat form, he can be in the daylight. I don't know. But I, as a kid, I never had a problem with this being in daytime. But you're right. It could also be morning. So it's not as the, the light isn't as strong. Well, and also, if they kind of take the, uh, the, the playbook from Fright Night, it's the sun directly that kills you. So because it's it's the sun that hits Jerry that causes him to go into the, you know, get him flamed. But uh, I love this that they don't kill the pilots. They just they they move the scene along, which is great because um, part of me is like, I didn't want to see those guys die and they didn't die. So no. it makes me kind of happy. Me too. V- very much. hundred percent. As a kid, I freaking love this scene. And as an adult, I still love this scene. Cut to Sean, Patrick, and Horace testing Rudy about what are the two ways to kill a vampire. They're up in the clubhouse, but really quick, by the way, there's a cool um, camera pan where it starts on Dracula's cape and then pans over to the the, the treehouse. And I'm not going to lie to you. I've seen this movie a million freaking times. This is the first time that I actually noticed that the cape was on the tree right there. Oh, yeah, I, did, I didn't notice that either. It's awesome. Which so which means they were essentially flying straight overhead right there. Oh, that's so cool. I was more fixated on the the treehouse itself, which I like was in love with. Yeah, dude, please elaborate on that. That treehouse is awesome. What do you love about it? The fact that it's freaking huge. It's huge. It looks like they put a house in the trees, and then the de- the decoration of the the interior of the house is so well done it's so authentic to what a kid actually the set design in general is is so authentic to what a kid what what represented a kid back then you know ej's uh bedroom with the with the 
Marvel posters and the Robotech posters. I'm like, that is authentic. That feels real to me. It doesn't feel like, you know, I love Lost Boys. I love Lost Boys. Don't get me wrong. I do. But Corey Haim's bedroom didn't feel authentic to me. Like, he had a big poster of, uh, like, Molly Ringwald, I think, on one and Rob Lowe on the other. And I'm like, nobody had a Rob Lowe poster on their wall back then or a Molly Ringwald poster. Like, come on, dude. Like, especially because he's such a comic book uh, aficionado. I don't remember one comic book poster on Corey Haim's wall in, uh, in Lost Boys. I could be wrong. I might be wrong. But I'm not talking about Lost Boys. We're talking about Monster Squad. And the Monster Squad, like, the interiors are so authentic. It's such an homage. Like, the the, the plastic masks and the and in the, the variation on all the different movie posters and, and just the ads and everything. It's so good. It's so good. Anyways, no, you're, you're that. No, you're 100% correct. I, I noticed all of that. Uh, the posters in the clubhouse were awesome. Um, obviously, we got, I think we even mentioned it on Summer of 84, we got Monster Squad, Squad clubhouse vibes from that movie. Uh, I, yes. You know, probably an inspiration for it. But um, I think you erroneously said EJ, but you meant Eugene. Um, Eugene's Sorry, room. Eugene, Eugene. Yeah, Eugene's room, dude. He has a Punisher poster on the wall. He has a Dreadstar poster on the wall. And he has an Amazing Spider-Man poster on the wall. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's what my freaking wall looked like probably at the same damn age. And I was probably probably closer to Eugene's age when this came out. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I completely 100% agree with you about both this and your assessment of Lost Boys. Another movie that I absolutely love. Uh, yes. You know, I don't want I'm not going to disparage Lost Boys, but I completely agree with you. But Lost Boys also made up my trifecta, my of the movies that kind of trumped uh I said it too. That kind of trounced uh, the Goonies. I always liked Lost Boys, Explorers, or The Monster Squad. I would watch either any of them over the Goonies. Yeah, me too. I've actually grown to enjoy Goonies more now in my, you know, middle age years. But um, but but back then it was not at the top of my list of movies to see. Yeah, uh, it's funny because I was like, "Oh, they swear too much in the Goonies," and I'm like, "Well, they swear in this too," but I don't know. It just had a different vibe to it. I, I, th- 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 that didn't feel authentic to me. This feels authentic to me. It does, and I think that's why Goonies, of course, holds up really well. But I think that's why this yeah. movie has such stain power for a movie that didn't have commercial success. You know, at its at its in theatrically release. I imagine you know over the course of selling Blu-rays and everything and, and VHSs and whatnot that you know. It's done fine, but it was not a theatrical, you know, success. So, um, get this tr- on Blu-ray, damn it! Get it out of, like a deluxe edition, right? I mean, you know, Shaw Factory put that one out like fucking what was it like eight years ago or something like that? I mean, it was a while ago when the Shaw Factory one came out, but you cannot find that anywhere. Um, I'm fairly certain that basically what we're gonna see is a 4K remastering. I'm sure Shaw Factory is gonna put out, you know, a, a steel case or something. But yeah, their Blu-ray is out of production. And by the way, this is the first movie that we've reviewed on the show that I do not have a copy. I had to watch it on Amazon Prime. I, I could not find a copy anywhere. Um, I haven't tried eBay because, you know, I'm sure I can find one there, but I was trying to find one before we recorded. And I even have, I even called 
three used Blu-ray and DVD stores here in Eugene, Oregon, and uh, one of which, one of the stores, uh, an employee of, of Shaft Factory goes to. Um, I think he, I know they're based in San Diego, but I think he works remotely. But, because uh, he's apparently, the guy was telling me he's always dropping off, like, promo shit. But, um, yeah, dude, this movie you cannot freaking find new at all. No, thank God I held on to my uh, Lionsgate blue uh, DVD, like the two-disc set. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as soon as this uh, gets announced, I'm I'm fucking buying it on Blu-ray or 4K or wherever the fuck it's at coming out on because I, I I need this movie. I need it in my life at all points in time. Um, <laughs> in the treehouse, Rudy says, "Stake to the heart." Oh, because they were asking what are the two ways to kill. Uh, Twenty minutes ago, when we started this scene, before we went on our diatribe, <laughs> um, Rudy says, "Stake to the heart." And uh, we see he's looking at a hot girl getting dressed uh, in her bedroom via binocular. So the freaking treehouse is so cool that it has kind of like multiple levels. And one level is made for peeping. <laughs> peeping on Patrick's sister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little, you know, we're going to slide past it, guys. We're going to slide on past that. Rudy asks. So Rudy asks if they meet up here. Sean says every day, clearly oblivious as to like why he's asking. Cause you know, he's looking at the girl. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Rudy says, uh, I'm beginning to like this club as she takes off her bra. Sean says, come on, it's a monster test. It's important. Okay. Then asks what the second way to kill a vampire is. Rudy says, I give up daylight. Horace corrects Rudy by saying sunlight. Patrick gives him shit for that because, you know, what other kind of daylight is sunlight is there? Patrick says, question two, is Frankenstein the name of the monster or the guy who makes him, who made him? Rudy says, guy. Guys and gals, I know this. Again, I'm going to refer to him as Frankenstein. Yes. Phoebe the Phoebe then knocks on the treehouse door, uh, <laughs> demanding to be let in. Sean sends her packing, then asks Rudy, what are the two ways to kill a, a werewolf? Rudy says, silver bullet, but doesn't have a second answer. The boys all laugh at him, but when he asks what the other way is, they don't know. Sean, they all start kind of like rattling shit out, and I love how Sean says, falling out a window onto a bomb, and that's exactly what happens, and we see that it doesn't work later. I like that they foreshadow that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Sean's mom then calls for Sean and Phoebe, says it's dinner time. As Sean leaves, Rudy says, wait, am I in or what? And by the way, this movie has a, does a great job of ending scenes on kind of like a, a question that you don't have a resolution to or something. But it's a it's a good tactic because it always keeps you like, oh, OK. Oh, oh what's next? You know what I mean? Like it keeps you engaged yeah. constantly. Again, I have to go back to the pacing and the the, the the time of this movie. You know, sometimes wanting something more and 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 just and not getting more, just getting what you get is is totally fine. You know, yeah. because it makes you want more, which is a good thing. But maybe if you got a little bit more, you might say, nah, it didn't work. Dude, an hour and 22 minutes is absolutely perfect for this. And I'll call out the reason for that. Um, 20 minutes before the con before the very end of the movie. So, well, I'll tell you Sounds what I good. absolutely love about this film. Um, and yeah, it's a great, great pacing. Sean and Phoebe walk into the kitchen as their mom is making dinner. Sean finds a book on the table and asks about it. Well, I have to say too, what parent in the right mind is going to make their kid take a carrot out of their kid's mouth <laughs> and not yeah. let him eat it? 
I'm like, yeah. she's like, ah, 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 dinner's not ready or whatever she says. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. If Bodie, the first thing that he wanted when he came home was a giant carrot, I'd be like, go for it, dude. Like, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> yes. And also she calls him for dinner, but dinner's, dinner's not ready, though. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, he asks about the book. His mom says she got it at a yard sale. It's from the old house on Shadow Brook Road. Sean freaks out and, if she, and asks if she knows who wrote the book. It's Van Helsing. She says, now that's the one that fights Godzilla, right? What is she thinking, Ultraman or something? <laughs> like, Godzilla? Like, what? Uh, well, she, 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 it's okay. Don't, you know, cut her some slack. Her marriage is basically falling apart. This is true. Her, her attention <laughs> is... And hey, you know what? At least she's trying to engage with her son in, in his, you Word. know, in what he's interested in. So, yeah. Um, exactly most parents didn't could give two shits back then still kind of do sean corrects her and says dracula mom sean flips to the book with excitement until he realizes it's in german <laughs> cut to a black hearse with a skull hood ornament pull up to a scenic so cool. parking area dracula gets out and overlooks the town he says let it begin and lightning starts crashing we see a really cool shot of his skeleton head in the lighting. I love that shot, by the way. And I love that they took the time to do it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. Back in the house, Sean is looking through the book as he walks past his dad, shaving in the master bedroom. Hey, Slick, busy day? Sean walks into his parents' bedroom and throws the book on the bed. He's like, not really. Shoot any crooks today? His dad says, afraid not, but I still might if you don't wash up for dinner. His dad then says, what's on your mind? Sean says he was going to see Groundhog Day Part 12 with the guys tonight, if that's okay with him. Uh, his dad says, no way. He's going out with uh, their mom, and Sean has to stay in and watch Phoebe the Phoebe. He doesn't say that. I just say that every time I say Phoebe. <laughs> uh, John, Sean doesn't take the news well, but his dad says he'll take him tomorrow night. Sean protests, says that it'll be too late. The guys will blab the entire plot. His dad pushes back. There's no plot. It's a guy with an axe. You know what the plot is? It's a plot to separate you from my five bucks. 
Sean kind of relents and says, fine. Can I have the five bucks anyways? His dad says, absolutely. I love that, dude. I, I love, love I love their that. relationship, man. Um, yeah, it's so great. So it feels so real. feels so fucking real, dude. Uh, Sean asks where they're going tonight. His dad says marriage counseling. Uh, his dad lights up a cigarette in, in the bedroom because this is 80, yeah. 87. The 80s, guys. <laughs> Sean says, again, I thought you quit smoking. His dad pulls him close and says, Sean, son, I love you dearly, but do me a favor. Put your basic lid on it. <laughs> the phone rings and Sean leaves the room. His dad answers it. Does that mean like shut the fuck up essentially? Yeah, I think so. And I think um I think if Andre either told me on the in the on the interview or maybe it might have been in the documentary, uh Wolfman's got nerds, but something like there's a scene that they cut where he pulls out his dad's gun and it just it, it didn't it made for the scene to be a little bit darker. You know, not not that he like pulled the gun on his dad or whatever, but he pulled the gun out or like looking at it or something like that. And that which, you know, they cut it probably for pacing or who who knows what. But, you know, it's just interesting what gets cut from these movies, because that would have totally changed the tone of the scene, because the scene itself is it's money. It feels so genuine. It's a five dollar scene. Yeah, yeah, and it's honestly, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I think it's so good. Uh, maybe, maybe it's because I didn't have a lot of moments like this with my dad, and it felt genuine. And I, I don't know if it was a part of a fantasy, but man, I love this fucking thing. And I also love how his dad kind of like nicely tells him to shut the fuck up. I love how he's like, Sean, I love you dearly, but shut the fuck up. I, I love that. I think that's it's a very good moment. It's a fucking great moment. It's a human moment. Yeah, yeah, totally. Agreed. Cut to the police station is de- his partner, Detective. Did, did you you pronounce his name Saper? I said it was. I was thinking my his Sapper, but you, you never hear it. Um, but what did you say his name was? I think I said Sapir. Sapir? Yeah, I don't know. I'll go with that. Detective Sapir. I mean, I wrote it down, but they never say it like in the movie. You know, because um, Detective- in the in the credit, yeah, it says S A P I R, but I don't know. Yeah, well, no, I, and I watched it with subtitles, so I saw his name spelled out, but they didn't actually, like, you know, say the word, so I didn't know how to pronounce it. But, yeah, uh, yeah. On, on his phone, his partner, uh, Detective Sapir, is on the phone. In the background, a guy is yelling, lock me up! I'm a werewolf! The detective says, hey, Dell, bad news. Cut to the mom setting the dinner table when she sees Dell go for the door. He says, I got to go downtown. Can you reschedule the appointment? She looks so pissed. Dell says, honey, I'm a cop, okay? You knew that when you bought the package. Look, it's important. She says, I'm important. He goes, I love you. She says, prove it. Dell says, I'll see you in a few hours and walks out the door. When I was a kid, I used to fantasize about like being, (laughs) this is so weird. I used to fantasize about being a grizzled old de- cop detective. I mean, when I was a kid, I really actually wanted to be a police officer. And I wanted to be just the grizzled old smoking detective. I don't know why I romanticize that archetype. But I've always have. Maybe it's because of movies like this or whatever. Or realistically, maybe because it gives you permission to not address the, the real problems that are at hand, which are the, is the marriage between you and your wife, and it gives you permission to push it down because, quote-unquote, being a police officer is more important. I don't know, but I think that this fucking scene, again, is so fucking human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to add much more to that. Uh, 
but I agree. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it does. And it's, it's a little awkward and, and, um, especially when I watch it with, you know, with my son and I'm like, Oh, that scene's kind of weird, you know, but, but, um, it, it feels, yeah, it totally feels authentic. <laughs> it does it really does. Especially as someone who's, uh, you know, been a part of uh, <laughs> broken homes. It, uh, it definitely feels authentic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unfortunately been privy to plenty of arguments in my time, uh, you know, as, as a kid. So that doesn't, that sucks. It's like, so when they're yeah. yelling at each other later in the movie, I'm like, yeah, I can relate to that. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh the eighties. You and I were both latchkey kids with, with all the pluses Jesus and minuses Christ. that came with that door slamming. Yep. You know, I fucking hate you. Slam the door. Hear a car drive off. What? What just happened? Oh, man. <laughs> this went dark fast. <laughs> Mommy. 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 <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Put holes oh. in walls. Punching holes in walls. Like, yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there, but it is really interesting when you look back and you're like, God damn, that's really messed up. It is, but that's why I think a lot of us of this generation try harder to not be our parents. Totally. Cut back. <laughs> <laughs> you like how I pulled it back around. Cut back. I almost went. I almost went. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, everyone loved the beep beep from uh, from the Bernie. It's it's our new catchphrase. We may have to make oh a shirt that just has beep beep and then the, the like the fart emoji. Oh, guys, listen to the burning. <laughs> listen to our burning review. You'll you'll get it. All right, back to Monster Squad. Cut back to the police station, and Detective Sapir is putting on his jacket uh, to leave as the guy. You know what? How about this? When Wolfman is in human form, I'll just call him John Grease. How about that? Sure. <laughs> I do want to point out uh, somebody at the end of the scene uh, just just wanted to put that out there that I was like, oh, okay. is that this guy? No, it's this guy. And we'll get to that. Okay. That guy. Uh, after he leaves, three cops push push John Grease down to subdue him. John Grease looks up to see a full moon and then yells and throws the cops off him. As he's fighting off the cops, he throws one through a window, like one of those inside windows uh, in the police station. Uh, he finally gets a gun from one of them, kind of points it in the air and shoots and yells, lock me up. And then a fucking rookie just plugs him, plugs him like three times right in the chest. Um, that rookie, I was convinced for decades that that rookie was the dude from Werewolf, the TV series, uh, John J. Oh, York, shit. The, the, the lead actor. But it's not. It's not. Oh, Oh, Werewolf, if you guys listen to uh, our spinoff show, TV Obscura, with our buddy Diallo, Werewolf comes up a lot, and to the point where all three of us mm -hmm. want to bring it to the table, so we're toying with an idea of doing an all-Werewolf uh, uh, episode, but we were kind of waiting for the Blu-ray to come out, but I don't know if that is still happening. Um, anyways, guys and gals, listen to TV Obscura Probably for not. more weird TV shows that we discuss. This is tricky because that show was a Fox show, and I think that's probably why, versus a syndicated show. If it was syndicated, it would have been out by now. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. But anyways, right. I, I see that, that rookie cop plug him, and I'm like, if you go back and watch that again, and you think about the guy in Werewolf, John J. York, I bet you anything you'd be like, yeah, it does look like him. It does look like him. 
and, and then people that, will be like, wait, isn't that guy who plays the werewolf in Monster Squad look a lot like the guy who plays the werewolf in Fright Night Part 2? Yeah, because guess what? It's the same guy. <laughs> and it would be cool if this was actually connected uh, to um, like a shared universe with werewolf. So It would be because uh, that, that movie came out a year after this. And God, I would love it if Monster Squad and Fright Night had a shared universe. Oh, someone, come on, make a comic book for that. We can say it is. We can pretend that it is. I just did. I own that (laughs) right. We own that rights. Podcasting After Dark presents the Monster Squad Fright Night. I'd buy that for a dollar. Wolfman's got nards and Jerry Dandridge's got a big dick. (laughs) Good Lord. <laughs> That's the I mean, elevator pitch. It, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Jerry I mean, Dandridge. Guaranteed. Jerry Dandridge has major BDE. Would you agree? Oh, guaranteed, guaranteed. He's got a swinger hanging down there, baby. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie. I don't know. Charlie, not so much. <laughs> Cut to Detective Sapir and Dell at the local museum. It's a nice museum for a small town. They are talking to the security guard about a missing two thousand year old mummy. The security guard says he didn't hear anyone come out or leave the exhibit. Detective Sapir asks if the security guard took the mummy. Of course, the security guard says, no, sir. Sapir says, just a shot. That's it, Dell. This case is too hard, man. Look, let's be firemen instead. Dell says, I'm, <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you're getting major laughs out of this, Rich. The problem is... 2,000-year-old dead guys don't get up and walk away by themselves. And then in an awesome piece of editing, we cut to the mummy walking down the street by the museum with the cop cars in the background. I love that kind of shit. I love when you say, they can't do this, and you immediately cut to the thing doing that. Totally. Yeah, and and cut to the best-looking mummy of all the times. It's the best-looking mummy ever. Okay, guys, I'm just going to say it across the board. Um, this movie is my favorite version of all the creatures, monsters that are in it. I love the way the mummy looks. I love the way creature looks. I love the way Frankenstein looks. Dracula looks great because he's like stereotypical Dracula. You know what I mean? And I love the way where the Wolfman looks. It's, it's Stan Winston, dude. He did a fucking fantastic job designing all of these creatures. Probably my favorite is creature creature from the black, black lagoon. I think he looks fantastic. Me too, but you know why he looks that way, right? All of them because they didn't get the rights to the Universal Monsters, so they had to alter yeah. the designs. And you know what? I'm better. glad they. I'm glad they didn't look like the Universal Monsters. I'm glad they look yeah. like their own thing. And in some cases, like with Creature, I think it looks freaking better. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, there was a cartoon that came out in the early '90s called Monster Force. And it, it, I think it's like Van Helsing's great grandson or something. Anyways, he's got a group of guys, and Frankenstein is is a good guy, and they battle Dracula. It's very cool. If you can seek it out on YouTube, it's free on YouTube, obviously. Um, uh, is that ever going to make a, its uh, debut on uh, TV Obscura? Maybe it will. It will for sure. Uh, nice. The toy line, the toy line is killer, and uh, they their version of creature. Um, is a jacked up version of this one in a way. It's very similar to the one for, to this one. It's so cool, but I just love the creature design is so badass, and it's just like such a simple monster if you really think about it. 
Yeah, but he looks fan-fucking-tastic. Uh, to the point where I used to collect a magazine. It was a quarterly magazine. came out four times a year, and it was called Amazing Figure Modeler, and it was all about figure models, you know? And the mm. very first issue that I bought, and the reason I bought it is because on the cover was a model of creature from the monster squad and i was like whoa this looks i didn't even know they made that and then i actually had a subscription to that magazine so i would read that and fangoria pretty religiously and i painted a lot of figure models when i was younger cool i thought you i thought you were going to say you had a subscription to um american finger model and it would just be a (laughs) magazine with george costanza's finger like on the episode from cartwright that you probably cover that show on cartwright Dude, good, good one, buddy. I'm never quite sure what your Seinfeld knowledge is, but I'm I'm proud of you, my man. I'm proud of you. Oh, it's deep. I only related to that episode because uh, someone told me I had beautiful hands, and then I started working in an auto body shop, and they got all cut up from working with sheet metal, so that ruined that career. Oh no, I have I I same thing. Uh, <laughs> you and I have very similar. <laughs> I, I very same thing, uh, except I never did any manual labor with my hands, and uh, they are silky smooth with no calluses whatsoever. The hands of a true artist or a true masturbator. <laughs> both. Well, both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got me, buddy. All right. Mummy walking down the street. Agreed. We both love this fucking mummy. It's an awesome looking fucking mummy. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then I also like this shot here. The camera pans over as it's walking down the street as an ambulance drives by. I like that. I like how you transition from one scene to another within the actual scene. Uh, inside the ambulance, we see the driver has his headphones on. And then we hear a woman requesting confirmation that he has the officer involved shooting en route. Did he hear that? And then he like taps the 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 comm device, and I'm like, is, was that his confirmation? I didn't quite understand if he was even like listening to the lady over the phone, you know? Oh, he wasn't. I don't think he was. I don't think he was either. Uh, and then back, we see a man's body under a white sheet with three red spots on it. Outside, we see the full moon. Then we see the man's feet and hands start to change. All of a sudden, it cuts back to like a camera shot, you know, face through the the at the driver, and the werewolf pops up behind the driver and grabs his head and snaps his neck. And you're talking about how like we're glad that the the pilots didn't die. On the other side of that coin, I thought it was sad that he died by the werewolf, you know? Yeah, but I'm like, oh, pilots versus public service people. Public service people always gotta go. <laughs> This is now they don't, but that um, is no indictment uh, on our first responders out there. <laughs> no, no, I think it's it's an indictment on Shane Black and Fred Decker. <clears throat> there you just kidding. There you go. How dare they? How d- I said good day, sir. But I again <laughs> another piece of editing that I think is great. Right when the werewolf pops up and snaps his neck, it cuts immediately to a woman screaming, and you can kind of like. Oh, tell so that that you can that you can see her screaming but it's like from binoculars like at first you don't really notice it but you can actually see the whole the binocular shadow that you always see in movies and this is one of my favorite things in the whole fucking world Sean is watching Groundhog Day part 6 um the uh, he's watching the drive-in movie from the roof of his house and it's a it's a composite shot obviously when they do it and everything but it's fine I I love it I love 
you know, it's like it's like with explorers. How you know, there's just I love it when you create this like nice fantasy little world for kids where there's something awesome in it, like you know, a junkyard that they can go and find all the pieces for the for the Thunder Road in or something. You know, and here in Monster Squad, it's you can watch it from the the roof of their house, man. Like God, I would love to grow up and and yeah, dude. You said at the beginning, man, this movie, I wanted to live in this fucking movie. And when I'm watching it at the age of 43, I feel the exact same way. I want to fucking live this film. Yeah, the only thing I don't want to live is the dysfunctional uh, relationship between the mom and the dad. But I did live that. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I do want to relive is the awesome old retro uh, Burger King bags and, and logo. Oh, and everything. dude. <laughs> yeah, right? Dude. Yeah, I, I uh, a friend of uh, of two dollar late fee had asked Andre how old those fries, or how what do you call them, uh, wilted or stale? or like stale the fries were, very, <laughs> very, <laughs> dot dot dot, very. <laughs> Oh, that's crazy! And I love, and also another thing I love about this movie is his relationship with his dad. I love it. Uh, yeah. His dad meets him out there with a bag of, of Burger King. He says, uh, "What did I miss?" and picks up the binoculars. Uh, and there's some lightning in the distance. Cut to the scene of the ambulance accident. Coroners are taking away the body of the driver. We see Detective Sapir uh, radioing to dispatch that the body was being transported is missing. It's the second one tonight. Dispatch kind of like makes fun of him, and then uh, you know, and then he's like, you know, fuck you type of thing. Probably because you know they had to go on a call about uh, a missing mummy from the museum, so they're fucking you know making fun of him for that. Yeah, it's kind of weird because I think all they do is just like say, yeah, it's the second one tonight, huh, on detective? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It falls a little flat for me. Um, so Pierre's character is really funny because he repeats himself all the time, or he's like, yeah, I'm very, I'm very. I'm a very I'm, talented detective. I'm, I'm a very good, good detective. Good, I'm a good cop. Yeah. 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 Well, well, also, so we know that 13 minutes were cut from the film to keep it under 90 minutes. Um, and then we also know that Shane Black's original script was much more beefy than what we saw on screen. For example, famously, his opening fan Helsing scene was like massive with like Zeppelins in the air and stuff like that. And Fred Decker famously, I think, says, uh, you know, the, the budget for just that opening prologue would have been more than the move, the whole movie itself. So I think Shane That's Black. Funny. I think he writes big and then lets, you know, other people can kind of like reel it in a little bit. Um, so, but in that 13 minutes that it's on the cutting room floor, I kind of feel like maybe there's some stuff with Detective Sapir or something that we're, we're sort of missing, you know, just little things here and there or whatever. But yeah, there's, there's, I feel like there's a joke happening with him that we don't really, we're not really privy to the full joke. True. Cut to the Wolfman walking through the swamp. He looks back, then turns around, and Dracula is standing there, pointing a silver, a silver wolf's head cane at him. This seems to be this seems to be Dracula's mo, by the way. Like when someone turns around, he pops up behind him. He even does it to his own. Ha ha ha! Gotcha. Uh, this kind of stops Wolfman in his tracks. Next, the mummy joins them. Dracula, the mummy, and Wolfman walk over to the water because it's kind of like a swampy area. Dracula points his cane, and and the Frankenstein crate from the plane starts rising up from the water. You think that he's doing it, right? 
but quickly pops up is the creature, and he's the one that's actually lifting the the box, which is awesome. It's a great reveal for the creature. It's fantastic. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. yeah. He throws the crate onto land. Dracula opens the crate, and we see Frankenstein inside. Drac says, it's been so very long. And this is, I think this is super fucking cool. He takes the silver ears off the wolf's head oh, yeah. on his staff and attaches them to Frankenstein's temples. So he doesn't have the metal part at his neck. He has the metal part at his temples. This is a liberty that they had to take to kind of make him not look exactly like the, the universal monster. And I think in doing so, they did a great job of making him more modern looking, you know, and, and different Green. and cool, yeah. but yet feeling exactly the same. And I like this. I think this is cool. The So the, the wolf's the clamps or whatever, the metal things that are attached to the cane via wires, he says, Dracula says, wake up, old friend. It is our time. And raises the cane in the air. Lightning hits the cane, bringing the monster back to life. He reaches up and says, long time, master. And he kind of reaches for Dracula, and Dracula reaches for him. So... I just want to call out really quick. The camera pans back. As the camera's panning back, Wolfman and the mummy and creature are all making motions and doing stuff. Weirdly, Dracula and Frankenstein are frozen as if the actors were told, don't move, this is a freeze frame. But then the Wolfman, creature, and mummy actors were told to move. So the camera pans away, and it's weird when you think about it because Dracula and Frankenstein are locked in this moment of not touching their hands while everyone else is, is like living and inhabiting the scene. Did you ever notice I that? I, I, I don't think I ever noticed that because I was too focused on Wolfman and the creature moving back and forth. Yeah. You know, and then I think the Wolfman howls, right? Howls yeah, I think moon. so. Yeah. Like he's so stoked. Mm-hmm. He's so stoked and he howls. And, um, yeah, but I, I, I got to go back and watch that, I guess. I, and also the, like you said about the, the cane with the, the ears of the wolf. It's such a nice little, it's such a cool, unique twist. You know, it's so really, really cool. They clearly like, you know what they, what they figured they couldn't get. A, that's aside from the fact that they couldn't get away with certain things because the likeness was owned by universal. And I get all that. It is what it is. They, but they made it better. These are like the best likenesses of all these characters. I was never a Frankenstein fan. I just think Frankenstein is kind of like a, dull character and and they don't but he looks so good he looks so good and what they do with him in this is the best representation of frankenstein in a movie in my opinion i'm just not frankenstein was always just like meh whatever like this didn't do it for me i am a hundred percent with you bro uh, Frankenstein was always my least favorite of the Universal Monsters. Creature from the Black Lagoon is my favorite of, of all of them. And this movie is my favorite version of every single one of the Universal Monsters. So I think that yeah. says a lot, dude. And I think we're on the same page about that. Uh, I do want to ask you this. Where do you feel like this movie takes place? Is it like Louisiana or something? Because there's a lot of swamps in it, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's supposed to be like like anywhere usa i feel like it's like a suburb it's i feel like it's like in illinois or something um okay you know i my my grand my grandpa had a cottage on a lake in michigan which had some really funky old trees that look like swampy looking trees um so i feel like it could be 
you know, a brook or a stream. Let's call it Missouri. Let's say it's in, you know, in Missouri somewhere. Okay. But I, I like your response. Any town USA. I, I think you're right about that. I think it's just, yeah, it's supposed to take place anywhere. But I always loved it. I always wanted to live in this town as well, you know? It's, yeah. goddamn, I love this movie. All right. Cut to Phoebe's room, and her mom is lighting a candle. She says, as long as it's there, nothing bad can happen. And then my thought is, unless you knock it over and burn the house down. Yeah, I was going to say, until it blows out, and then you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, which is, which yeah, later, yeah, that which I think is a really cool fucking thing. Yep. Phoebe says, Sean says when it's lightning, monsters come. Her mom says, Sean is just trying to scare her. Phoebe asks if the candle keeps the, the lightning away. The mom says yes. Then Phoebe asks her mom to kiss Scraps, the stuffed animal. As the mom is leaving, Phoebe asks, are you going to yell at him? This is, again, another piece of, I think, really good writing. The mom says, I love your father. Phoebe says, what? I mean, Sean, for scaring me. One, I, I like the fact that, you know, Phoebe's probably oblivious as to what's happening. But I also like the yeah. fact that the mom, her whole, her mind is just so focused on the, the marriage problem that she immediately yeah. jumped to that. I thought it was very, very realistic. Yeah, me too. The mom says she'll talk to talk to him about it and closes the door, talk, meaning Sean, you know. In the living room, Dell and Emily are fighting. So at this point, I, it took me five minutes to figure out, like, so do I refer to it as Sean's mom? But luckily, the name Emily popped up, and that's the one good thing about me watching it on Amazon Prime. Uh, the names of the actors pop up who are in the scene, and it said Emily. I was like, okay, good. I don't have to refer to her as Sean's mom anymore, you know? Um, yeah. In the living room, Dell and Emily are fighting about his job while Sean watches through the hallway. There's like a, a sort of like one of those Venetian blind doors kind of closing the, the living room, you know, and uh, he, he kind of watches it happen. And, you know, he, he knows what's happening. He's aware of what's happening. Uh, he watch, walks into the kitchen and sees a note on the board. It says, for Sean, caller, Mr. Alucard. And I like how they someone wrote school in, in question mark, you know, because they don't know where he's from. Interested in Van Helsing diary. Uh, possible, then they have money signs. He takes out a pen and a notepad and writes Alucard. Then he tries like a, an anagram combination and then eventually discovers it's Dracula in reverse. Thunder crashes outside. Love that. 100%. Yep. Oh, here we go. Cut to a little kid, Eugene, knocking on his dad's bedroom door. He says there's a monster in his closet. The dad mocks, he kind of cuts to the scene, dad mocks throwing the son's door open and yells, Damn, son, look at all these monsters. Come on, all you monsters, out of here. He kinda, uh, then he looks at Eugene, who's wearing an awesome Robotech shirt. Oh, oh so cool. God. His pajamas are so dope. So yeah. awesome. And asks if there's any more, and Eugene points at the closet. By the way, we get to see a really cool Punisher poster on the wall. The, I had that poster, by the way. I, I didn't have that one, but I had a poster by the same artist. I think his name was Zek. Some, ah, shoot. I, I recognize his art, but I had, I had a, another poster of Punisher, but by the same artist. So cool. It so is. Cool. And I want to point out, too, that Eugene looks like a young version, a uh, mini version of Richard Farnsworth, the actor uh, who was in Misery. He played the sheriff who got blown away. He was in a straight story. He's been in a bunch. You, you recognize him. You saw him. Okay. He's like an old guy. He's always, he's not an old, well, he, he, he got a lot of prominence as an older actor. And, uh, but this kid, Eugene, like a, looks like a, you know, 
little mini version of him, in my opinion. A, a, a little kid version of him. <laughs> yep. And uh, then David Faustino, actually, obviously. Yeah, yeah, mixed with him. Uh, I love how the dad kind of, like, opens the closet door without, like, looking inside. He goes, ooh, look at that big scary monster. Ooh. But the mummy's kind of, like, reaching for him. It's such a yeah, fucking great shot. Love it. Um, but before he can kind of grab him, he slams the, slams the door on him, you know, uh, while Eugene yeah. is kind of, like, holding his eyes. The dad says to Eugene, you're not going to be sleeping with your mother and I tonight. Uh, and Jesus! If you, <laughs> if you keep this up, you're not gonna look at those monster magazines. Uh, Dad kind of rubs uh, Eugene's head and leaves the room. We hear the floor creak, and Eugene peeks through his fingers and sees the mummy crawl out of the window. Again, another scene that I think is super fun with a character just like the two pilots that we don't ever see again. But I, th- I love that guy. I love the dad. I mean, he's he's kind of like you know a little bit of a dick, but he's he's also kind of fun. You can tell he's a fun dad. He's probably he's probably a fun dad. Yeah, I forget I forget that actor's name. I could look it up, and I'm I'm too lazy to do it right now. But uh, he was in um, uh, Ernest Saves Christmas, and uh, he was like an agent in that. And I just remember he had one wonky eye. You know, you're not sure which eye to look at. And he has that in this movie too. Yep, you're like. Wait, Dad, which one? Which one, Dad? <laughs> but this one, this one, one right here. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but again, like this is another scene that has like so much personality in it, and it could have just been a throwaway fucking scene. Yeah, and 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 a simple scene. I know they cut back to Eugene's room later in the during the the best montage ever, mm-hmm. um, but uh, one of the best montages ever, and. Uh, but the, the, the design of his room is so authentic. It feels like, like I want to live in that room, just minus the mummy in my closet. <laughs> or, you know, maybe have the mummy in the closet. Maybe he's a cool dude, you know? I don't know. You don't know. No, I'm going to pass. It's a hard pass for me. <laughs> it's a hard pass. Okay. <laughs> uh, when, tr- I cl- when my dad closes the door, somebody comes out and wants to put their wraps all over me. Ooh. <laughs> Mummy came in my house, at least he didn't come in you. All right, in the oh. <laughs> in the tra- On a very special episode of <laughs> podcasting after dark. <laughs> we talk about inappropriate touching. <laughs> well, wouldn't be the first time. Wouldn't be the first time. Okay. In the treehouse, <laughs> Sean calls a meeting with Rudy, Patrick, Horace, and Eugene. He writes Monster Squad on a small blackboard. Horace says, okay, we're all here. What's the deal? Rudy says, yeah, what the hell is a Monster Squad? Sean says, it's us. We're the Monster Squad. Horace says, what's a squad? And I love how Patrick says, it's like Miami Vice, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I do, too. Uh, Sean says, look, I think there's monsters, real ones. I heard my dad talking on the phone to a guy at the police station. There was a guy screaming he was a werewolf, and they shot him. And the body disappeared from the corner van. And the corner guy was dead. Horace says, so what? He got shot and the werewolf took his body? Sean says, no, Pinhead. He was a werewolf. Maybe. No, he said, Peanhead. Peanhead. (laughs) Peanhead. Rudy says, but if they shot him, 
Sean says, like, kind of agrees with them. They must have been regular bullets. And I like that, like, the the motion that Rudy makes, like, oh, yeah, like, I was right. (laughs) I was right, yep. Uh, Not silver ones. Look, I know this sounds, well, pretty stupid, but a mummy disappeared from the museum tonight. There's a couple times in this movie where, like, I love the fact that they call out in the dialogue that, like, guys, I know this might sound stupid. Like, like, because the words, yeah. they do sound stupid, but I love that they call it out. And that's, that's fun to me. This, this is where Eugene says, uh, mommy came in my house <laughs> and I wrote, and your mom. Oh, oh, uh, at and, least he was wrapped up. <laughs> Good call. Uh, no, no step, no half brothers for you, Eugene, uh, Sean <laughs> and guys, Dracula might be here too. Just then, Horace farts, and all the kids start yelling at him. Sean loses his shit and yells back, God damn it, would you shut up? Did you hear a word I said? These guys are dead. Get a clue. Something's out there, and it's killing people. And if it's monsters, nobody's going to do a thing about it but us. I love that. I love it when the kids are empowered. Patrick asks, what do they do? Sean thinks the book his mom picked up at the yard sale might be important. He says it's Van Helsing's diary and was found at an old house on Shadowbrook Road. But it's German, so he can't read it. Patrick says his sister takes German in high school. Horace says, your sister doesn't speak German. All she does is hang around and let guys touch her tits. Wish I knew about that a girl like that in high school. I love it. <laughs> Again, I think they do a great job of just nailing how kids talk. Yeah, totally. Rudy says, your sister wouldn't happen to live next door, would she? Patrick says, so what? Rudy says, that girl's your sister? (laughs) Sean says, what do you say? Are we the monster squad or what? And they all put their hands together, and even the the dog puts his paw on top, and then you hear Rudy like an ADR. Rudy goes, uh, how does that dog get up here anyway? And that's another one. Like, I love that they call that out. Like, how the fuck does that happen? I love that in movies, dude. How how the hell do you get up there? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love that anytime in movies when something really strange happens and someone says, you know, I know this is weird, but it, you know what I mean? Like they call it out, you know? Yeah. Now we cut to the creepy old house on Shatterbrook Lane. Dracula is walking through the rundown house. He stops at a statue and lifts its arm, revealing a hidden passage. Dracula goes in. And by the way, this is the first time I ever noticed that he lifted it and it opened the door. Later on, Sean's going to pull down on it and it opens the trap door. Yeah, it's great. Smart. Mm-hmm. It is smart. I am smart. <laughs> you are smart. <laughs> Everyone involved making this movie and reviewing it is smart. <laughs> the, the hidden cellar below looks more like a castle prison carved out of rock. Frankenstein is in a cell. Dracula asks how he likes his new home. Frank says, home, home. Dracula enters the cell and kneels next to him. He says, I must sleep soon, so listen very carefully. Van Helsing's diary is missing. I want you to retrieve it for me. Children possess it. I want you to find them and take the diary. If they do not cooperate, you kill them. Home. Home. (laughs) Scary. (laughs) 
cut to outside of scary German guy's house. By the way, that's how he's billed in, in IMDb, and he we do not know his name. He is SGG. I refer to him as SGG in my notes. As GG. Horace says, gentlemen, I'd just like to say three words. Scary German guy. Horace has a sweet fucking madman comic book shirt on. Like, dude, that's awesome. And then underneath of it's a TNC shirt, which is freaking awesome too. Sean says, who else are they going to get to translate the diary? As they are debating who is going to knock on the door, the scary German guy walks up behind them speaking German, and they turn around in terror. Cut to Phoebe playing by the treehouse, and she's like kind of by the water and everything, and she kind of like looks over, and we see Frankenstein's feet walk up next to her. Of course, all of us know that this is an homage to the original Frankenstein film where the girl, he kind of meets that young girl and throws her in the water, killing her by accident. Um, And, of course, this is an homage to that, and it will play out differently, of course. And another great piece of editing, cut back to scary German guy holding a knife saying, Boys, time is almost up. It's your last chance for pie. I love bait and switch switch shit like that, bro. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Thank you, scary. I mean, German. (laughs) (laughs) And he says it, and the kind of camera pans down, and we see like a half-eaten pie and a bunch of like uh, Pepsi cans. By the way, this must be uh, this must have been sponsored by Pepsi or or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pepsi and Mongoose, which I had that bike, by the way. But, like, yeah, the product placement is on on fire. Burger King, obviously. And and which makes sense because Burger King and Pepsi go hand in hand, you know, and T&C. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but good product placement. If you're going to do product placement, make it good. Yeah, no, this is not not at all bad. It's honestly the only reason at this point, like, the only reason in 2021 I even notice it is because I, I enjoy looking at the retro logos for those things otherwise honestly they did a good job just placing shit in there like sort of regularly you know yeah i mean looks i know some people have a hard time with product placements in in movies and stuff but that's it's the reality you know yeah it's where we live exactly I mean, shit, man. All of our our places. If you walk into anyone's house, the whole entire place is product placement for people. You know, essentially. Right. Yeah. I would say. I will say. Uh, I forget what they're called now, but they were in the Lost Boys in Grandpa's um, refrigerator. It was like these peanut butter sticks, but they were covered in like Rice Krispies or something like that. It was like a tube, you know, hmm. like a like a like round yeah and i forget what they were called now um it popped up on instagram not that long ago and i'm like oh yeah that's what they were called and then i obviously forgot because it wasn't important but uh that was one of my favorite product placements back in the day of like oh i love those i totally love and it was kind of out of the blue you know like it would be like seeing dunkaroos and something like oh i love dunkaroos (laughs) one of my that's um... another top five we should do dude our top five product placements in movies Ah, good. That's actually a good one, dude. That's actually really good. I, I, I like that one. I like that one. Oh, cool. Fire that un- file that under H for toy. <laughs> I used that joke already. You did. You, and it made me laugh then, and it makes me laugh now. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> uh, I said the I said the Monster Squad is sitting on the couch and eating all eating pie. Uh, once scary German guy hands Horace another piece. He goes back to reading the diary. 
He shows them a picture of the amulet, and Horus says, scary German guy's bitching. And I do like how I like how the scary German guy kind of looks over and smiles, you know. He's like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> SGG uh, stocks, starts talking about the forces of good and evil are constantly in flux, and once every hundred years, these forces are balanced. The amulet is a talisman which wards off evil and is indestructible. He says this part is underlined. Once every hundred years at the stroke of midnight, the amulet becomes vulnerable, and at that moment it can be shattered. If it's destroyed, the balance between good and evil will shift, and evil will rule. Van Helsing claims there is a way to stop the forces of darkness. If one could gain possession of the amulet before those forces, then every hundred years at midnight there is another option. A ceremony which, when followed to the letter, will open a hole into limbo itself. Where dwell the damned a vortex, which is like a great whirlwind, can swallow the forces of evil for forever. Sean asks if the diary describes the ceremony, and the book does in detail, but is the last entry. He was to battle the forces itself. The date for that entry in the book is tomorrow's date, 100 years ago. The boys look shocked. As they are leaving the house, scary German guy says, I expect you boys thought I was some kind of monster myself. That's quite all right. But I am not, you know. If I were a vampire, I wouldn't have a reflection. And he looks back at a mirror. Horace says, you sure know a lot about monsters. He says, now that you mention it, I suppose I do. He closes the door, and we see a concentration camp tattoo on his arm. Dude, everything about this scene yeah. is fucking awesome. I, <clears throat> I love when, like, you know, adults actually like engage the kids in the movie and, and are, are, are advocates, I should say, like, you know, for the kids or whatever. I like that. Or, or they don't, yeah, they don't talk, he doesn't, he doesn't talk down to them. You know, I like that. Um, and then they fucking throw this like heavy heartfelt thing in here, which is awesome. And it doesn't, it, weirdly, it is heavy because it's true and the constant, you know, all that kind of stuff has really happened, but it also doesn't feel heavy handed. It's it's almost, dare I say, fucking perfect. Yeah, it really is. It's done in such a subtle way. And what a great tool to open up that discussion if if a kid says, what, what does that mean? You know, that's a great, great way to do it. Great way to do it. Absolutely. Bravissimo. Bravissimo. As the boys are walking down the street, they are discussing their plans to find a virgin, find the amulet, and blow a hole in Dumbo. Or limbo. <laughs> piece of cake. That, that, that was my note. Just piece of cake. No problem. We got this. Piece of cake. Piece of cake. Yeah. Cut to Rudy eating a burger at a diner. Horace, Patrick, and Sean walk up to him, and Sean says, Know any virgins? And Rudy does a great spit that. take of his Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> the first of two great spit takes by Rudy. The boy now cut back to the boys are walking through the woods back to the treehouse. Sean says Rudy is in charge of getting silver bullets. Horace is tasked with getting a map and finding Shatterbrook Lane. As they walk up to the clubhouse, Phoebe comes running, yelling, you guys. 
They kind of don't pay her any mind, don't pay her any attention. She's trying to get their attention. She finally bites Sean's hand and says, "Yeah." Would you look and points just then Frankenstein steps out from behind the tree and all the boys run and scatter. I love dude Tom Noonan does such a great job with Frankenstein. I love that he yes, thinks it's perfect. funny. He's like, you know, <laughs> dude, dude, he is Tom Newton is brilliant as Frankenstein in this film. It's the best way to bring this character to life, you know, which we already said it, it's, it's we're not a fan of the original Frankenstein. So make it fun. Yeah. Make and it funny, fun, funny and heartfelt. Yeah, exactly. Phoebe takes Frankenstein's head and says, it's okay, you guys. He's friends with us. Come on. Don't be chicken shits. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the best. I love it when kids cuss like that in movies, dude. She's yeah. like five and she's saying chicken shits. She's great. Phoebe the Phoebe well, is great. She's she's great at cussing and then great at getting cussed at later on. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Uh, Sean walks over to Phoebe and Frank and says, you know, kind of, he's like, he's like, does mom know about him? You know, and uh, and he yeah. turns around and goes, "Hey guys, get over here! He's great!" And kind of, Sean kind of hits Frankenstein on the arm, like sort of like a, a tap, you know. But then Frankenstein like playfully like shoves him to the ground. And I love how the scene ends with Phoebe saying, "Now can I be in the Monster Club?" They, I feel like almost every scene has a fantastic like sort of button at the end here. Yeah, yeah. I love that scene. I love when Sean gets knocked on his ass. <laughs> he fucking goes flying. Yeah. Inside the, the treehouse, the whole squad, plus Eugene, Phoebe, and Frankenstein are having a meeting. As they're talking about how gross he is, <laughs> Frankenstein is uh, has St- Phoebe's stuffed animal and says, scraps. Uh, she taught him to talk. Frank says, bogus. And then he says, give me a break. I used to watch that show, by the way. Give me a break. I love Give Me a Break. Me too. Give me a break. If Diallo was here, he could sing the whole theme song right now. <laughs> he, he probably could. He's listening to this right now, and now he's exactly singing it. So <laughs> you're welcome. The boys huddle up and discuss getting an adult, which I, I think that's it, that was. I like this little dialogue here. And Sean says, "No adults." And then Frankenstein turns and looks out the window yeah. and sees Patrick's sister starting to undress. The camera is there, which I guess uh, Rudy just sort of left there. He gets excited and kind of hits the camera, taking a picture by accident. Uh, and then uh, he says that the, the 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 camera is like bogus, bogus. Because, you know, the, bogus. It, it taking a picture kind of startles him, which is, of course, cute, you know. Yeah. Rudy then hands Frankenstein a Frankenstein Halloween mask. And he looks at it, and it makes him sad. He kind of punches it, then holds his hands to his face and says, Scary? And, yeah. dude, me and Luke and Xer, it's one of the things we always do. We, would like, we hold our hands to our face if something, like, Scary? And we do that to each other. Well, and we go, me, ugly? Kinda... He, but he, he does it in a way like he's going to start crying because it's scary. Yeah. yeah. You know, like he's really, yeah. It's it's a it's a really cool scene because it's like, yeah, this this dude is grotesque and he is scary. And like, you know, and to see your likeness in that way, poor guy. And I love the fact that this movie takes place in a world that's the same as ours where there's Frankenstein movie and Frankenstein, you know, yeah. stuff and everything. And they don't even... Yeah. 
They don't even dress it. They're not even like, like, uh, you know, it's, I love it. Sometimes, you know, I feel like sometimes in newer movies, you have to like address everything. Here, they're just like, nope, just inhabits the same world. Let's, we're not going to address it. Again, it's a tight yeah. 88 minutes, you know? Exactly. No, it's 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 done so well. Yeah, I, I love it. And that, this that must have been a pain in the ass to get him up into that clubhouse, by the way. Oh, yeah, definitely. He fucking his giant fucking shoes trying to get up there. But, you know, it's a nice little scene because the music kind of swells. And then it cuts to a really sweet shot of all the kids uh, walking with him sort of towards the sunset. It's a very, like, E.T. kind of shot. You know, I felt like very Spielbergian. Um, but I loved it. I, honestly, I'm a sucker for it. It might be my favorite shot in the film. I love that Phoebe's holding his finger, you know, and it just... Man, yeah. dude, I wanted a, I want fucking a Frankenstein friend of my own, you know? Well, I mean, these guys, these kids idolize these characters, and then suddenly one of them comes to life. How, how awesome is that? How awesome is that, dude? Seriously. Cut to the mansion at Shatterbrook Lane. Dracula is in the basement with Wolfman looking for the amulet. He can feel it's close. Dracula senses it behind a wall and uses a hammer to bust a hole in it to reveal a hidden chamber with the amulet. There are crosses and garlic everywhere inside the chamber. A.K.A. the Time Stone. I'm like, holy shit, it's the Time Stone. <laughs> Touche, yeah. It's from Infinity Wars. <laughs> yeah, dude, seriously. It might, yeah, it might be an Infinity Stone, seriously. <laughs> uh, cut to uh, Sean waking up in his bed to an alarm clock. He jumps out of bed and quickly gets ready for school. Cue the awesome 80s music montage. And as you said earlier, this might be one of my favorite 80s montage. Oh, it's so good. Uh, what is it? Michael Sambello, uh, who is mostly known for a maniac. She's a maniac, mm. maniac on the floor. This, this is Michael his song? He, he did this song? Yeah, Michael Sambello. Wow. Yep. He, he dropped... Um, drop until you, what is it? Rock until you drop. Rock, rock until, rock you, until drop. you drop. Bop, rock bop. until your feet fall off. Yeah. Yep. I don't want to know. He also does the rap at the end too, which is on par with the rap at the end of uh, uh, People Under the Stairs. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll leave yeah. it at that. But yeah, Michael Cimbello, uh, <laughs> Flash Dance. Uh, he, had a song, he had a song on Virtuosity. You remember that movie? Yeah, I do. With Russell Crowe, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he had a song on the Independence Day movie and a song on the Predator 2 movie. Oh, a, a movie that I personally love, Predator 2. I know you do. I've grown to love it more. Um, but yeah, he's got Rock Until You Drop and then the Monster Squad rap. Yeah, but before I break down the montage, and I will, where does this rank, literally, like, seriously, where does this rank in your favorite 80s montages? You know, I mean, obviously, comparing it to Rocky and everything, top five, top ten, tr like, truly. Oh, it's in my it's in my top five. Okay. I, for sure. I And it's, it's simply because it's a kid's montage. It's a kid, It's like kids getting ready for war. And it feels so authentic in, in some respects. Obviously, there's elements of this montage where you're like, ooh, that no, that's totally unrealistic. But uh, I just love seeing like regular people prepping for battle. One of my favorite scenes. It's not necessarily a it's a little bit of a montage, 
but in Phantasm 2 when they're making their weapons in the hardware store and and Reggie's making his four barrel shotgun and it just it's like so cool to see people like making weapons getting ready for you know uh to 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 to, to rock and roll and the song the song kicks ass with it too it's you know it, it, I I love this song I love this song I it's on too. my workout playlist so I work out to it all the time nice nice maybe we Fun have to make, we may have to make your uh, playlist uh, uh public on Spotify and have people uh check it out cuz I know there's a lot of 80s jams on there there are, but there's so many that are not available on Spotify. Ah. There's so many. Ah, that, yeah. That's why, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, uh, on another podcast that I do, I do a mix CD for Patreon subscribers. But That's <laughs> right. That's right. Go check out $2 Late Fee's Patreon page. Uh, <laughs> but you can always plug that, my friend. I, I love $2 Late Fee and uh, always and forever. I think, did I make you, I made you a mix CD, yep. didn't I? Yep, I have it right here, my friend. I love it. It's really good, too. It is. Isn't it's, it really good? It's, it's fan-fucking-tastic, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. I haven't put an intro on there for you. All right. Anyways, yeah, I love this I love this montage. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through the all the scenes of the montage. We see the boys riding their bikes down the street. We know it's a school day. Uh, we see them in school. We then see Rudy in shop class sharpening steaks. Then we see Phoebe is playing dress up with Frankenstein. Eugene is in his room writing a letter to the army. It says, Dear Army Guys, come quick. There are monsters. Eugene. Patrick is making Monster Squad business cards. Rudy is now melting silverware to make silver bullets. They look at a map and see Shadowbrook Lane. Rudy steals an archery set from school. Then we see him come out of the one-hour photo store. He's looking at the, the pictures, you know, that he got developed from the, the camera, and he does another great spit take, the second second spit take. Spit take. Yep. yep. And then we cut to Frankenstein looking at the picture while all the boys are jumping to try to grab it. And then, of course, Frankenstein starts jumping too, which is a lot of fun. And I assume Patrick is trying to grab it to keep it from the other kids. I'm glad you said that because I'm like, yeah, I hope so. Yep, that's what I assume. <laughs> Cut to Shadowbrook Lane, and Wolfman is in human form as John Grease, and he's tied to a chair. Dracula says, I do regret the dosage, my friend. Most lethal by human standards, but then human standards do not apply, do they? I'll go have a bite while you change into something more comfortable. Dracula walks over to a closet with a padlock on the outside and opens it. Three girls are scared inside, and he walks in. John Grease, human wolf man, he kind of uh, looks around, and then spits out the pills. He gets his hand fr- he gets his hands free from the rope. By the way, low key, John Grease is a hero in this movie, and yet no one fucking listens to him. I know he's also the wolf man, but in human form, he's trying to be a fucking hero. He's cursed. It's a curse. But I, but I love the fact that he's always trying to undermine Dracula when he's in human form. That's so fucking awesome to me. Yeah, no, it's great. I, it's great. It's it's such an authentic portrayal of Wolfman, you know? Yeah, because it's always supposed to be a curse, you know, like you said. Yep. In the police station, Detective Sapir gives Dell a report, and Dell's there too. Last night near the ambulance crash, get this— Eyewitnesses report 
long black hearse, no plates. You want to ask me about the hood ornament? And I love how Dell goes, what about the hood ornament? And <laughs> Detective Sapira says, I thought you'd never ask. A silver skull. I consider this an exciting lead. Are you excited? Dells tells him to put out an APV. He goes, I already did. I'm a very good policeman, you know. I love that. a very good policeman, you know. Yeah, and I also love in the background, workers are putting the glass back into the the window because it's only been like a day or a few hours, right? No, it's been like a day or something. Yeah. Yep. I think that's... I think it's it's been like a... I think it's only been a day. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was probably like Saturday or Sunday when all that shit was happening. Yeah. At least it's been the weekend, you know? Yeah. Uh, just then, Del, Del's phone rings. On the other end, John Grease is yelling, Hurry, get all your men and send them to 666 Shadowbook Road. It's an old mansion. He's found the amulet. There's no time. When Del asks, <laughs> I don't know why I went almost Jerry Seinfeld on that. There's no There's time. No time. There's, what's the deal with werewolves? <laughs> um Dell says good night, you know, kind of to, to hang up on the guy. And uh, John Grease starts sort of transforming. And as he's transforming, he says, he's going to kill your son. And then he, like, starts screaming. And Dell hears this. And he's, Rah! and then he fucking transforms into the, the Wolfman. And then blasts out of the fucking phone booth and walks into the dark. And I think this is a great yeah. transformation scene. Oh, great transformation scene. Poor phone booth. It got destroyed. Nah, people don't need him anyways. <laughs> this is, you know what? Fucking the Wolfman was ahead of the head of the curve. He knew it doesn't. He's like, it doesn't matter anymore. We don't need these. <laughs> Nostra Wolfman. <laughs> yeah, no, Nostra Wolfman. Good one. <laughs> Cut to Sean, Eugene, Horace, and Frankenstein arriving at the mansion. Sean calls for Patrick over the walkie-talkies. We see Patrick and Rudy's uh, spying on Patrick's older sister, talking to a guy. I love how Rudy's like, this babe is major. Yeah. Back at Shatterbug Lane, Eugene drops his Twinkie into the swamp, and Creature pops up. He pops up, and then he goes back down into the water. Even as a kid, I didn't understand why this was sort of like a, like nothing happened from this, you know? Yeah, yeah. This, the scene falls a little flat. Agreed. In that, in that sense. Agreed. And and we don't have a lot of negative things to say about this this movie, but it was kind of weird that cre- Creature pops up and then goes back down. A smidge flat. I agree with that. And even as a kid, I was like, oh, that was a little flat. Well, same with Money, Mummy, too. I mean, Mummy was, if he's supposed to be like a killing machine, he doesn't really know, do why much. didn't he kill Eugene? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Eugene runs back to Sean uh, while, while he's telling Patrick that they meet up at 10 p.m., uh, Patrick says, good luck, butt love. <laughs> I love how Sean goes, I know you are. What am I? Out. But that, again, I thought that was <laughs> yeah. great, like, kid dialogue. So you know? authentic. Yeah. Totally. Eugene tells Sean, Creature stole my Twinkie. And I love how he refers to him as Creature with a capital C because he's Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Cut to Patrick's older sister in the treehouse with Patrick and Rudy. She says, so what do you want to ask me? Patrick attempts to ask her if she's a virgin but can't do it. Rudy jumps in and says... Well, your brother so delicately attempting to inquire and let me, out of my own personal curiosity, is the the degree to which you may have or have not, at some point in time, been dorked. <laughs> and me trying to say that line is hard. Props to Rudy for, for pulling it off, but I do like it. Even though it's like sort of a complicated sentence to say, 
I think it's fun. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. La la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. And now, back to the show. Back at Shatterbrook Road, Horace is trying to convince Sean that this is a bad idea. Frankenstein says, Master is near. Master wants children dead. They make their way into the old mansion. In the basement, Dracula has a stick of dynamite in the hole that he made earlier. Back upstairs, when Frankenstein enters the mansion behind the boys... His footsteps rattle the house, causing Dracula to look up and the detonator plunger to go down, setting off the dynamite. This causes part of the mansion to collapse on top of Frankenstein. Horace tries to free Frankenstein from the debris and asks, what if he's dead? I love Sean says, then he died to help us. I'm the leader of the squad, so listen up. He said, Dracula knows we're here. So let's just try to find the ambulance and get the hell out of here. Just then, the Wolfman leaps out between them. Sean yells at Horace to kick him in the nards. This is the most famous scene from the movie. Yeah. Horace like, what? He's like, kick him in the nards. Horace, and as I'm older, the more older I get, the more I think that this is a crushing blow. Horace lands a crushing blow to Wolfman's nards. I mean, I can feel it. And they run past him as he's doubled doubled over. Horace yells, Wolfman's got nards. The most famous line from the movie. Most famous. Uttered by by Brent and rest in peace for sure. Yeah. What a what a great great line, great delivery, all that good stuff. Dude, and you're an adult now, he kicks the fucking shit out of Wolfman's nards, dude. Like, that would fucking hurt. Yeah, so this brought back memories to me around the same time I was playing football with my friends at school, and I was the the hiker or whatever, the center, and I was getting ready to hike the ball, and this kid, I won't say his name, uh, but he would run up, run up behind me just to be a dick and kick me right in the balls from behind fuck i doubled over oh he's like you okay you okay i'm just messing with you man come on okay try it one more time and of course like an idiot i did whoa over again were you not wearing a cup no this was like a re- uh, recess time oh my god what an he asshole probably nailed me probably nailed me three times yeah the guy was a total dick and my that- quote-unquote friend 
that's a dick fucking move right there. Seriously. Yeah. I think that's what kind of like scarred me for a really long time. Cause I'm like, wait, so my friends are kicking me in the balls. Then my brother's friends are terrorizing me when I go to his house back home. What are friends supposed to be? <laughs> what are friends for? <laughs> Good yeah. Lord. For a really long time, I had some shit friends. Wow. Wow. And yep. another another onion layer peels back from <laughs> Zach's stinky past. Wow. But we know so you. So Wolfman's you... got nards, and I don't have them anymore. So. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank God you have Bodie. I mean, thank God that was possible, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, oh, Zach. Man. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. The, the three of them run further into the mansion, but are trapped by Dracula, his brides, and Wolfman. This is cool because I didn't notice this until I broke down the movie. Sean pulls yep. the same statue arm Dracula did earlier, but they pushed, but he pushed it up, and they pulled it down making a trap door and having them fall into the basement. I thought that was cool. I never noticed that as a kid. Seriously. Yeah, no, that's great. I didn't notice either. Good pointing out, dude. Thanks. Good looking out. It's almost like you broke this movie down or something. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like I spent two days breaking this movie down and it's 18 <laughs> pages long. Right. Uh, at the diner, Rudy, Patrick, and his sister are waiting for Sean to radio them on the walkie-talkie. Rudy says, 10 o'clock, they're late. She says, the sister says, maybe the monsters got them. And I like how Rudy's like, maybe the monsters got them. I love how he immediately. <laughs> it, again, it maybe. feels such kid. It feels like kids, dude. It really does. Yeah, totally. Mocking her. It's, it feels authentic. And, and you get the sense in that 13 minutes that they cut that there might be more back and forth between the sister and Rudy. But I don't think we need it. I'm fine. I get it. I understand where their relationship is right now. She she's really good too, by the way. The 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 sister, um, yeah, uh, Lisa Fuller is her name. She's been she was in Teen Witch, a, a very popular, uh, fun favorite from back in the day, and Baby Boom. But uh, she was she's so good. She's I mean, again, everybody plays their part really well. Yeah, it's I'm glad you called her out because I don't even know if I would like recognize her like in anything else or whatever. She's kind of like a little generic blonde type of type of actress, yep. but at the same time, she's great. She does a great job in this film and like you just said, everyone fucking does their job and I think that's what makes the whole movie work so damn well. Totally. Totally. In the basement of the mansion, the, the the squad, half the squad at least, finds the amulet hidden in that spot in the back. Sean grabs it, and as he's crawling out of the hole, Dracula grabs him by the neck. Horace thinks quickly and unwraps a piece of cold frozen pizza in his jacket and smashes, smashes it in Dracula's face, burning him. Sean says, awesome. garlic. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. Yep. They run out of the basement and through the woods where they are met by Phoebe and scary German guy who's driving a convertible Jeep. All of a sudden, Rudy, Patrick, and his sister show up on their bikes. The cavalry is here. Rudy says, we figured you guys were in trouble. Horace says, it was boss. I saw Dracula and I kicked Wolfman in the nards. 
I like how scary German guy, because again, you got to realize he still just thinks they're kids and nothing major is happening. He says, perhaps we should go back to my place for some pie. Sean then shows him the amulet and says the book was right. It's all true. We found the amulet, but now there's monsters after us. We got to go to a place where there's a lot of people. Patrick says church. Scary German guy says there's an old church in the town plaza. Sean says perfect. Monsters hate religious stuff. They all climb in the Jeep. I like this. I mean, I'm watching it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it's kind of convenient that they all converge right then and there. But I have zero fucking problem with it, dude. It like it just fucking works, you know. They gotta they gotta speed up the the plot, you know. There's it's a it's a short flick, so it makes sense. It's fine, and it makes sense. Like Rudy and and Patrick, they knew where they were going, so if they didn't show up on time to their meeting, yeah, we know where you're at. So let's go there. It I love it. I think it fucking it's so tight and it makes sense. Agreed. At the police station, Dell is walking quickly to a police car with Detective Sapir in pursuit. He he thinks it's crazy they were going to Shatterbrook Road because he got a call from a guy saying he's a werewolf. He keeps just kind of like laughing about it and everything. Dell doesn't say shit as they both sort of drive off. But yeah, he, he, Detective Sapir is not taking it seriously. Yeah, you because know, he didn't hear the part where he said he's gonna kill, or he didn't tell him the part where he's gonna kill his son. Exactly. And the Jeep, scary German guy, is speeding to town. Sean says it's 20 minutes to midnight. Dude, I paused it. I sent you the screenshot to you and Diallo. And, dude, I fucking love the fact that he says it's 20 minutes to midnight and there is 20 minutes left in the damn movie. I can't tell you how much how happy that makes me because it's a huge pet peeve of mine in movies where a bomb has five minutes left, but yet it fucking takes 15 minutes of screen time to actually happen. I didn't even know. I just paused it when he said it, and I don't even think I was trying to, but I looked down and realized there was 20 minutes left. I just discovered that. Like I just discovered that the, the timing on this, and my God, it makes me love the movie more. Yeah, it's wild. I love that. It's great. It's fantastic. Sean says, if we pull this off, I'm going to (laughs) shit. Just then, the mummy walks out on the road, and scary German guy swerves to dodge him, but the mummy grabs the Jeep and attacks Phoebe. Rudy tells Patrick to grab some bandages. Patrick doesn't want to, but Rudy says, don't be a wuss. And I love it. So Patrick's like, no, no. He goes, don't be a wuss. And Patrick immediately goes, okay, and grabs the the fucking bandage. It's fucking awesome because kids are like that. Kids are like that. Don't call me a wuss. I call you a wuss. And then they go do it. You know, like it's, it's fucking great kid writing. So he grabs the bandage, ties it to an arrow that, so Patrick grabs the bandage, then Patrick also ties it to the arrow that Rudy's sort of holding. Then Rudy shoots the arrow into a tree with the, the bandage tied still around it as they're driving away. So, of course, this causes uh, the mummy to start unwrapping as they're driving. And then as he kind of gets fully unwrapped, and which I think is actually really good practical effects, like oh, watching yeah. him like unwind and everything. Uh, I love how they're driving away, and all you see is the skull just kind of popping down the road. And I love how fucking Rudy says, see you later, Band-Aid breath, as his skull is kind of rolling down the road. It's really a cheesy line. It is, but I like it. I'm not going to lie. I like it. <laughs> Cut to Dell and his partner speeding towards Shadowbrook Road in their police car. All of a sudden, another car speeds right towards them. 
It's Dracula's black hearse. Detective Sapir screams as they drive through the other car and kind of spin out. As they're stopped there, he says to Dell, I'm not saying anything. I love that. Yeah, me too. I thought that's, I, thought, I always like that. And I like this too. At Sean's house, his mom is in the bedroom and the candle blows out. Outside, fucking Dracula and his hearse crash right into the front yard. And Dracula, no respect. And Dracula gets out. And then he doesn't respect his car either because he rips the back door off of his hearse and grabs yep. some fucking sticks of dynamite. He lights like sort of a grouping of them, you know, walks into the backyard, throws it in the treehouse and says meeting adjourned as he walks away and it explodes. Dude, he's fucking hardcore, man. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Inside, we see the mom is kind of startled by the explosion. Uh, Dell and his partner pull up in front of the house behind the hearse. Dell kind of quickly gets out and pulls his gun. Dracula lights another stick by looking at it, which is really cool, another stick of dynamite, then throws it under the police car. Detective Sapir is calling into dispatch, and he kind of sees what happens, looks at Dell, screams. Dell screams too, kind of get, says, get out, you know, but he jumps, and the fucking car explodes, killing Detective Sapir. To this day... I hate I hate that man, and I don't hate it like it's bad. I just hate it because I didn't want fucking De- Detective Sapir to die like that, you know. Well, you know they 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 needed some sort of uh, stakes to be raised. Kill, yeah. yeah, and and he was the most expendable person. Like who else? They're not going to kill one of the kids. Mm-hmm. No, I mean you're it. It's completely logical and it makes sense movie wise, but I just I didn't I never want to see it happen, you know. And every time that it does happen, I'm always like, no. You well, know. if if you made this movie now, they kill one of the kids. They kill one of the kids. Now. Right? Yeah. In, in a post, probably it's got to be Patrick. In a post uh, uh, summer of '84 world, probably mm-hmm. it would probably be Patrick. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Sorry, Patrick. Sorry, but Patrick. I love your jacket. <laughs> he's like he's like the um, he he has like a Corey Haim Lost Boys vibe to him, actually. Out of yeah. out of the three, because he's like the cool. He's got the cool jacket. The jacket at the end, the one he's wearing in this in this final final scenes, by the way, is so dope. It's so cool. It's got like uh, I forget specifically what it has on it, but it, but it's got like just you know kind of homages to horror films as well. It's such a cool jacket. Well, he also had a cool skateboard earlier in the movie too. Yeah, and he's got a, he has collar popped, and you know he's rocking yeah. the, the the Wayfarers and all that stuff. <laughs> Dell shoots Dracula, but the bullets go through him. Dracula says, I will have your son, and turns into a bat just as Emily walks out to see it. I always thought that was cool, too. Emily yep. asks Dell what's happening. Dell runs into the house to look for his kids. I think it's cool that we also see that. So there's a subplot here of Emily, the mom, moving, like leaving. Like she's going to leave because they're fucking. Bags are packed right by the front door, and Dell runs yeah. right past them. I, I, as a kid, I didn't notice that, but as an adult, I'm like, that's fucking genius. I love the fact that there's like this subplot between the mom and the dad, and the mom's like moving out and shit. That's like, it's deep, dude. It's really cool. Yeah, and something tells me that she's most likely gonna move out after this is over too. <laughs> Probably, because <laughs> there's way too much to handle. The emotional trauma that they all ensue. <laughs> yeah, of course. Dell can't find them, so he uses the walkie-talkie to call Sean. Sean says they're almost at the town square. 
Dell puts down the walkie-talkie and runs out of the house. My question is, why didn't he take the walkie-talkie with him in case, you know, something yeah. happens? Yeah. Exactly. I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Again, the the gripes that we have with this movie are so fucking minor. It's minor. It's stuff that it's stuff that every other '80s movie was fell victim to back in the day. Like just little things. Well, well, how do you explain this or how do you explain that? It's like a lot of the stuff you just gotta let go. Yeah. Because it'll drive you nuts if if you analyze the hell out of that part. You know. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, it's just a movie. Yeah, exactly. Cut to the Jeep and the Monster Squad driving into town. They park in front of the church, and Rudy checks the door, but it's locked. Sean says, don't kick the church. It's religious. (laughs) (laughs) Sean says, they'll just have to do the ritual right there on the street. Just then, Phoebe says, you guys, and we see three brides of Dracula walking down the street. Well, did did you pick up the the part where at, where they decided to do it on the street? And I think Horace says he's like, "That's worse than doing it at the Burger King or something like that." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Might might as well do it at the Burger King." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. No, he's not. He's not wrong. Uh, so we see the three brides of Dracula walking down the street, which I think is really cool because they're like they're moving slow and there's like this like lightning, but you don't hear like a lot of the thunder. I always like that when you see the yeah. flash of the lightning, but you don't really hear the thunder. Patrick tells his sister to start reading the book. She says, I'm flunking German. Scary German, <laughs> scary German guy helps her with the words as they're frantically trying to do the ritual. Rudy walks by them with purpose. This is my favorite fucking part of the entire movie. Sean says, where are you going, Rudy? He says, I'm in the goddamn club, aren't I? Fucking love it, I love dude. See, it's, it's one of those, this is like one of those m- moments. Every time I watch it, bro, I get fucking chills. I just got chills just yep. saying it. I love it. Well, and he's really the only one that kills any of the monsters think about it like really kills yeah the monsters yeah because he also kills yeah wolfman too yeah you're right yeah mm-hmm. he got five he's get, he gets five kills total in this movie and horace gets one yeah and then you know dracula is not dead well never mind yeah he's, yep, I mean, you know. yep yeah no i'm i i 100 follow yep i know exactly what you're talking about rudy walks down the street towards the brides and i lo- again i love how they're walking slow he draws yep. his bow and pulls out a stake and shoots it in the heart of the closest one. He's kind of like, there's a second where he's kind of like looking at it. And I, I don't begrudge him for being a little bit shocked. Cause you know, he probably is like 14 years old killing a, a person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so the second bride is kind of almost on him and he can't get the second stake out loaded into the, the arrow. So he has to fucking sort of like stake her in the heart by hand, you know? Just then we see Dracula in bat form flying towards them. Bedell pulls up in the family station wagon, the family truckster, (laughs) and shoots Dracula out of the air, sending him crashing into the second story window of a sporting goods store nearby. Again, this is another little scene that I love. He comes fucking driving in, fucking guns blazing, and I just love how one of them hits Dracula and fucking sends him flying off. Yeah, I love that. Dell tells Sean to stay there as he runs into the store to go after Dracula. Dell walks into the second 
floor like room or whatever and he sees dracula half transformed complete with a little vampire dingus now <laughs> i've never noticed this i don't know if i have noticed it or not or i, I purged it from my memory but crystal asked he goes hey did you notice the uh the fucking vampire dick and i was like all right well i'm gonna look for that one and yep i paused it and yep there's a little uh, little nubbin little little, little penis it's nubbin <laughs> it's there it's there yep <laughs> you know what Props to Stan Winston because so basically Dracula is kind of like in this half transformed state. Props to them for fucking making him anatomically correct. Maybe that's why he's, uh, you know, he is the way he is because he's got a little dingus. <laughs> little dangatang. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Thank you, Crystal, for pointing that out to me. I will never yeah. unsee it now. Yeah, thank you. And how dare you? <laughs> Dell pulls out a stick of dynamite and uh, lights it, but Wolfman kind of comes up behind him and fucking shoves him in the back. <laughs> like fucking Wolfman shoving him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wolfman then tosses Dell around the room. Uh, he really fuck, kind of fucks him up before Sean shows up and says, Hey, asshole. When the Wolfman turns around, Sean says, You looked and fucking clobbers him with a baseball bat. That's awesome. <laughs> Del grabs the dynamite and shoves it in the Wolfman's pants. Again, right in his Nards region, pushes him out the window, and he explodes in midair. Del and Sean hug, and they look over, but Dracula is gone. Two things. One, I fucking love that he explodes in midair. Two, when I was younger, yes, of course, I get the humor of kicking him in the Nards, but as I'm older... I get the humor of how abusive this movie is to Wolfman's nards. Poor, poor Wolfie. I mean, they explode, bro. <laughs> They're gone. Yeah. yeah, but this is the only movie I've ever seen where it logically makes sense. Like, what What if you did this? Yeah. Like, the, the, the same thing I, w- I would say back in the day of, like, well, why did they just chop off the head of yeah. Jason, you know? Or why did they just make him explode? And, like, well supernatural things can do supernatural things exactly exactly you're 100 percent correct supernaturally super supernatural supernaturals remember those toys bro yeah i i vividly do <laughs> and visionaries too <laughs> visionaries uh, nights of the magical light visionaries magical powers take flight did Visionaries make our, our obscure uh, 80s uh, toy list? I can't remember. Guys and Gals, that was like year one. Um, I think but, it did. But it ch- check it yeah. out. It was a good episode. Check that one out and then check out our obscure uh, 80s uh, or obscure video games episode as well. We we do one of these uh, every every year. That we, we... Supernaturals were 10 times better than, uh, what were they called? Unfaceables. Oh yeah, you remember those? Yeah. Oh, those sucked. Oh those yeah, sucked. Oh, this I remember those. This was trash. Trash. Oh, trash. In the alley below, we see Wolfman in bloody pieces. By the way, uh, this this movie isn't very gory, but this he's gory here. Like, there's a lot of gore here. Oh, chunks. Yeah. But we see his hand starts to move. Yeah. Back in the church, scary German guy is trying to get Patrick's sister to read the book. In the alley, we see Wolfman's torso come alive. Back at the church, Patrick's sister finishes reading the words, but nothing happens. In the alley, Wolfman's pieces... Chuncy, chuncy. <laughs> 
in the alley, Wolfman's pieces go back together, and then we see him stand up and howl. And you are, I, I, dude, I love werewolf movies. Werewolves are like probably my favorite of like the monsters. And I don't, I feel like you, you, you don't ever see something like this in movies. I feel like this is very unique to Monster Squad, where yeah, you're right, you, you, you blow him apart, and he comes back together. And I like that it's not CGI here. It's all practical. It's all just kind of editing and stuff like that. And man, dude, fucking. Uh, I love these times, man. The, the these like how people had to figure out how to do this shit with practical effects. Now he would have just came together via CGI, you know. Yeah, I feel like uh, you know the best werewolf movies were always the more independent or lowbrow ish, and uh, of this, I would consider this to be in that category of like you know lower tier budget or you know not, it's not Wolf with Jack Nicholson, which is like yawn. So Frankenstein with Robert, Robert De Niro. Yawn. So I remember uh, Fangoria covering both of those movies. And I think yeah, I've I seen, remember that too. I, I think I've seen the De Niro Frankenstein one and was a little unimpressed, but I never saw Wolf with, uh, or, or whatever the fuck it was called with, um, uh, Nicholson, Jack, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Jesus Christ. My or, brain. and then they made a one with Benicio del Toro yawn. That one it's I like, did see. I didn't love it, but wasn't James Spader in the Jack Nicholson one though? He was, he was like the rival wolf. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. It's just like, I don't know, dude. Like the, the, I get it that they got to make these big budget movies, but give me a bad wolf or give me a howling, give me a monster squad. Yeah. Any day. So so I I famously always dog say Dog Soldiers. Dog Soldiers, right. Bad Moon. Um yeah. I, I famously say all the time, uh, my favorite werewolves are like the long snouted ones. I don't like the Lon Chaney one personally. Um although I will say that the Wolfman in this movie kind of rides that line a little bit, you know? I'm totally okay with it. Me too. I think it looks awesome. Me too. It's like an action figure. It looks like an action figure. Like that's the action figure I wanted to play with when I was a kid. That you you summed it up better than I could ever sum it up. So, yep, there you and go. Monster Force, the Monster Force cartoon in the 90s, they, the Wolfman was a good guy as well. So, and By the way, I remember that cartoon. I, I do remember, and I remember the toys as well. I and, and I'm looking forward to talking about it on TV Obscura one day. Yeah, we will. At the church, Patrick says, We just went through some major shit, and where's the big limbo thing? In the street, Rudy is over the body of the third bride. So we don't really, we didn't see him kill the third one. You know what I mean? But I like the fact that he's like over her. He clearly killed her, but he's, he's changed. You know what I mean? Like he's startled. He's, he's questioning everything. And I fucking love that. It's like on one hand, he's awesome. He's a badass. But on the other hand, He's still a fucking 14-year-old kid who just literally killed three women. It's good. It's fucking awesome, you know? Yeah, it is. All of a sudden, multiple cop cars arrive on the scene. But Rudy kind of doesn't know that the wolfman's sort of walking up behind him. One of the cops shoots the wolfman to no effect. They decide to then charge him and fight him hand to hand. I don't know why that's logical. Next step, but okay. Cut back to a scary German guy. Asks Patrick if he's absolutely sure she's a virgin. Patrick looks at her and says, "You're not a virgin, are you?" She says, "Steve doesn't count." Oh, you. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> Steve doesn't count. He doesn't count. 
butt butt sex we're talking about oh my oh my oh my captain (laughs) cut back to wolfman is fucking destroying the cops while rudy watches he eventually takes a gun off of a cop's body and loads a silver bullet in it once the wolfman finishes off the last cop he looks at rudy who pulls the trigger sending wolfman flying back I love how it's like quickly, how quickly he changes back. Cause like on the ground, yep. John Grease looks at him. There's a giant hole in his chest. He looks at Rudy and he says, thank you and dies. Love that. Love that. Sean and Dell walk over to him and he says, told you only one way to kill a werewolf. I love that though. I love, I love that. It's it. I love that. He says, thank you too. Dude. I'm, t- I'm telling you, man, Wolfman in human form is low-key the hero of the movie. No one, yep. just no one listened to him. Yep. Just then, Creature pops out of a manhole next to Horace. Cops try to fight Creature, but they don't accomplish much. Eugene asks scary German guy if Phoebe is a virgin. He looks over her and he says, yes, we'll use the girl. Patrick says she can't read, but scary German guy says he'll help her. Cut back to once. I love that. He's like, you're a little child. You haven't had sex yet. Yes. <laughs> and the concept of, of, of virgin and everything, it's like, come on. I, it's so funny because, uh, you know, I guess it's got to be a female version. You know what? That's actually an interesting point because one of the boys could have read it too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but probably none of them are virgins if you count their hands. Oh. oh. <laughs> uh, we'll have to ask Andre that question. Hey, uh. <laughs> Just kidding. I do love how the creature fucking like crushes one of the cops' heads and you like yeah. hear crunching sound. Uh and then once he finishes that cop off, he goes for Horace. Horace picks up a shotgun and tries to go inside like this bookstore, but the door is locked and EJ and Derek are hiding inside. The creature gets closer and Horace blasts him in the chest, killing him. I always thought, I, I did think it was cool that it was kind of easy to kill the creature, you know? Like, it is, he is just an organic being, you know? So, yeah, he's not really technically supernatural. So, yeah, shotgun blast in the chest will kill him. Yeah, yeah, that and, like, the mummy. It's like, you know, that was pretty easy, too. Yeah. EJ says, hey, fat kid. And Horace kind of looks back, and he kind of sheepishly says, good job. Horace says, my name is Horace, and cocks the shotgun. Cut to the church, and scary German guy is helping Phoebe read the text. Dracula appears in the street and walks towards them. Scary German guy tells Phoebe not to look up, not to look at at him. This is, and and I think I probably discovered this on the Blast from Our Past episode that I was reviewing, because it's like, I watched this movie a million times, but you know, you're not always paying attention because yada, yada, yada. But when you do it for podcasts, you pay attention. And this is when I kind of really solidified and realized that this fucking Dracula is badass. And I love this fucking scene because he's walking towards Phoebe and scary German guy. He is killing cops left and right. He is not breaking his sight from 
Phoebe and the amulet and everything. He never once looks at the cops or anything. And actually, I mean, this is really good directing. This is really good blocking because there's a shot where he kills a cop. Camera doesn't cut. He's walking. Camera's dollying with him, like kind of screen left. A car pulls up. You know, it hits its mark. The cops get out of it. One of them runs up to him. He breaks it. That cop's neck. Again, this is all one shot with a car pulling up and like hitting its mark. Everyone hits their fucking mark. It's awesome. And I know people are like, oh, Monster Squad's a great movie. Monster Squad's fun. It's a cult movie. We all love it. But seriously, watch this movie and know that fucking Dracula is a fucking badass in this entire film. Yeah, I mean, what are you, what's your take on this Dracula right here, bro? <laughs> I mean, clearly I love him. But what's your seriously? What's what's your take on him? And I know you have no, nostalgic love for this movie, but like as an adult, what's your take on this Dracula? Yeah, it it is it is the most like ruthless, and it cuts the romantic shit out, which I which always drove me nuts. I just I was like, oh, I don't want that. And that's why I honestly really don't like Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. I don't. I'm just like, I think Sigisil meanders with the love angle, which I don't want that in a horror film. I don't. I just want it to be like, get to the chase, be a killing machine, be evil. You purely are all about sucking blood and just devouring the earth. And, you know, all he cares about is world domination and he doesn't care if he has to murder like a little five-year-old girl to to get what he wants. And I love that. Yeah, he's so fixated and focused. It's beautiful. It's it's really like well done. It's just like straightforward. I don't want to see a two and a half hour drama that for a, for a horror film. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah. It's just it's not my cup of tea. You know. Though I will say I love Gary Oldman's look in dracula i think he looks amazing and i think he he is amazing i just uh this is this is more of what i want i just want a straight straight up cartoon horror cartoon type character which is what he is in this it's like very just like it's cartoonish in the dark sense like a dark cartoon you know like if uh dark horse comics or did a did a version of uh you know a, a kid's monster story it would be like this i love it and and you're right like it, it this is this is him with this is dracula with no romanticism whatsoever and yeah. i i i personally like bram stoker's dracula by francis Ford coppola mm-hmm. but i get what you're saying i totally understand that and yeah for like I love I love Dracula like I love that story there and I'm fine with the romanticism in Bram Stoker's Dracula. I don't yeah. need the romanticism in other forms of Dracula. Do you know what I mean? Like that covers yeah. the base for me. And and yeah, you're right. This is what happens when you take that romanticism out and he just becomes a fucking killing machine. Yeah, and again, I think like I was saying uh earlier, I like kind of raw straightforward horror films in that sense that uh from these characters like don't give me don't give me interview with a vampire i mean i'm not hating on it i just it's not for me yeah you know and 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 give me the the down and dirty and uh yeah he's down and dirty in this but but looking cool at the whole time like he never you know he never gets a, a a a scuff on his shoe or a you know 
fiber torn on his jacket. Yeah, no, you're you're right. He looks fucking awesome doing it, and I like the fact that he looks very traditional, you know. But he's also fucking fucking brutal as shit. So yeah, dude, I'm 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 right there with you. Um, and I also like as Dracula gets closer, I like how scary German guy kind of stands up, you know, in between yeah, that's cool. Dracula and Phoebe. Again, I I just I love this movie because I love that the adults are on the kids' side, you know? I hate it yeah, when the, they don't believe the kids and then they just kind of like, oh, I like that the kids actually have adult advocates in this movie. Yeah, me too. It's, it's yeah, it's cool. It's like he's looking at, he's, he's doing the best he can. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Because <laughs> it's not much, because uh, uh, Dracula kind of shoots him with a beam of light, sending him to the ground. Uh, Dracula walks up to Phoebe, kind of grabs her by the face and lifts her up in the air. And as Dell and Emily scream And my note is, when did Emily get there? <laughs> yeah. Probably in the 13 minutes that was cut, right? Yes, exactly. Now, apparently on set, uh, the, the gentleman who played Dracula didn't wear his contacts and fangs and stuff around uh, Phoebe and the kids because it kind of scared Phoebe. Um, but to get an honest reaction out of Phoebe during the scene, the director had him, you know, put his contacts in and he kind of like, you know, they lift her up and he kind of opens his eyes and she, she does scream. So apparently that was a very genuine scream on her part. But I do like the fact that the actor didn't want to scare the kids normally on set, you know? Yeah, no, but it's so great because it did scare the shit out of her. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's very genuine authentic yep and then dracula says give me the amulet you bitch and he kind of hisses at her i like that i like it when he hisses Dude, <sighs> it's the best it's the best it's one of the best scenes like the best deliveries of a line yeah god it's awesome so then, so intense and then what happens here is even awesome more awesome all of a sudden fucking frankenstein grabs him by the neck by the back of his yep. neck looks at him and says bogus and then bogus. bogus and then throws them on the church fucking fence, dude. I love that. And I love that it's a tie back to like, you know, the bogus thing from earlier. I mean, this is fucking yep. great screenwriting right here. Oh, yeah. It's so good. And it's it like that. That. Yeah. No, that, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. And no, you're, and I love that now. Frankenstein is looking at her. Phoebe's holding his his finger like she's been doing. Uh, scary German guy is kind of saying the words, but she's reading them perfectly because she's looking at her friend Frankenstein while she's doing it. I'm I'm dude. I'm literally getting choked up. It's so fucking good. I I love it. It all it fucking works, man. It's it works so fucking well. Sure does. And also, what she says works. The amulet starts glow, glowing and shaking. Scary German guy kind of throws it down the street and it explodes in the air into the vortex. Everybody runs to hold on to something as the vortex starts sucking everything in like at the beginning of the movie. The camera pans over to where Dracula should be, but he isn't there. He pops up behind Dell and Sean and grabs Sean. They wrestle as the vortex is sucking them closer to it cops and the body of like one of the brides gets sucked in um i always felt bad for the innocent people that get sucked in this vortex because like you know th that, that random cop that's still alive uh like yeah, the virgin yeah. girl at the beginning so they're just gonna spend the rest of their inter the eternity in limbo a lot much right yeah pretty much 
damn. Like, what do you do? You just talk to Dracula while you're there? Like, I'm a cop. I had a, I had family back here. Now I'm, you, I'm sucked in this vortex. Now I'm just going to fucking talk to you for this entire eternity? I feel like uh, Stephen Kostansky should do a, a movie just based on the vortex. Uh, inside the vortex? Like, what happens? Yeah. Psycho Gorman's there. He's like, yeah. I could kill you. <laughs> no, don't kill me. You could die. <laughs> oh man, I fuck. Oh, Steve Kostansky, bro. By the way, the Day of the Dead show is coming out, and he apparently directed uh, four or five episodes of it. Yeah, well, I'm so happy for him. I mean, that's a huge get. Yeah, that's awesome. I hope it's good. I'll yeah. I, I'll try to watch it when I when I can. If, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, support our support our boy. Yeah. Sean then grabs a stake on the ground and stabs Dracula in the chest with it. This is while they're both kind of getting, like, sliding across the ground, uh, causing Dracula to let Sean go. Just then, Van Helsing comes out of the vortex and grabs Dracula. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) Sucking them both in as as Van Helsing gives the thumbs up to Sean. Dude, as much as I love the, the, the shot of Sean giving the thumbs up back to, to Van Helsing, not a big fan of Van Helsing giving the thumbs up to Sean. <laughs> hey! Hey! <laughs> Dracula screams, no, as they both get pulled into limbo. Frankenstein tries to make it back to Phoebe, uh, but the vortex is too strong. Uh, he tells uh, her bye. As he kind of gets sucked in, she throws scraps at him, the the stuffed animal. He grabs it, and, you know, he's like, bye, Phoebe. And, you know, I think it's sweet that he has scraps to keep him company in yeah. in limbo. Unlike, unlike that poor cop who, you know, had a life and kids and family who I'll never <laughs> see again. Uh, the vortex closes, and everyone looks around in a daze. Just then, the army rolls up with tanks and jeeps. A commander asks, who's Eugene? Then says, all right, son, where are the monsters? Eugene says, just says, mummy came in my house. <laughs> the commander asks if someone can tell him what in Sam Hill is going on around here. Sean and the gang walk up to him and say, we can, sir. The commander says, who the hell are you? Sean hands him the business card Patrick made and says, we're the Monster Squad. Chasing monsters down the street. Gotta get my feet on the beat. Gotta see what I'm doing. And I do. And I do. Papa jiba da ba jiba da do. I will say it's way better than Rapture by Blondie. And don't give me this. Whoa, it's like the first rap song, man. I don't care if it's the first rap song. I just had this discussion the other day. I don't care. It's bad. Cars and bars, dinosaurs, seeing stars. No, this is stupid. It's bad. It's bad. People are like, no, it's really good. I'm like, well, that's just your opinion, man. And my opinion is, not a fan. Give me this song over that song. They're both pretty bad, though. But, song aside, like, all right, all right, I'll agree with you. I'm not a fan of the song. But the way the movie kind of punches that end and, like, we're the Monster Squad, as much as I don't like the song, I like the just the, the first beat that it kind of kicks into. You know what I mean? Oh, do, me too. And I love how they, as they pan up, I love when movies, um, I mean, they, we did it with... Uh, with our Wings Hauser movie, where Wing um, Vice Squad? Well, no, was it Vice Squad? Mutant. No, 
mutant mutant where yeah. they're walking down the street you know and vice squad i think did it too yeah, actually the, the, i think the camera the camera cranes up while while the scene is is unfolding and and neon slime is playing baby yeah neon slime and um I love when the the camera pans up because I'm always watching to see if the character actors stay in character, yeah. right? Yeah, and they too. do because you notice that EJ and Derek uh, come over to them and like hug them and like basically like they're making up, they're becoming friends. Uh, Sean's like introducing scary German guy to his family and he's getting all excited about it. And you see the dad, dad Dell never really like cracks a smile. He kind of like. He kind of does a little bit, but because you realize he lost his partner, you mm-hmm. know, and so he's dealing with that and 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 right. and, and dealing breakup. with the idea that, you know, uh, he has a mountain of paperwork he's going to have to fill out it's pretty much. But it's but it's a cool sequence because you're yeah. like, well, I was watching Dell the whole time to see what he was doing. He was and he just looked like he, he's like happy that it's over, but at the same time looks very sad, too. So it's cool. Yeah. yeah. No, it's great. 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 Final scene. Great. Final shot. The song's cheesy, but it doesn't take anything away from the, no. the movie itself. No. It's a great movie. It's great. a classic. It's classic. Great movie. And uh, Crystal, you know, I know this is your favorite movie. I, I hope we did it justice. Um, I will say thank you for for having us do this because I feel like as much. I mean, I've watched this movie a million times. I love this film, but I've never paid as much attention to it as I did when I broke it down. And I just want to say thank you, Crystal, for the gift of that. You made me appreciate yeah. Monster Squad more. Uh, I think it has very minor, and we called them out, all the minor little little dips in, in, in quality this movie had. But for the most part, I think it's fantastic. I think it plays very well in 2021, uh, minus some dialogue that I think you would probably have to, you know, discuss with with your, you know, kid if you're watching it with them. But I hope that dialogue never gets cut out because it is just a product of the time. It is what it was, you know. And I don't want to ever see censorship, and I don't want to ever see anything get canceled. So, but Monster Squad is fucking great, dude. This movie is awesome. It's a great, great kids movie where the kids are the heroes and. You know, I love that, man. Yeah. I love it. And as much as, like, you know, movies like Summer of 84 and everything, like, like you know, switch things up and, you know, change your expectation of everything, I still like how sort of innocent this was and how none of the kids died. And, and the biggest death was, was obviously, you know, Detective Sapir or whatever. You know, I like that, dude. I, I miss those days when things were a bit more innocent. Yeah, I don't think we're uh, gonna have that again. I don't. I mean, I we were saying that to Richard Wank in our interview with him, which is exclusive on Patreon as well, which you should check out. Please check out Richard Wank's interview because it's really good. The director of Vamp, um, but he, we brought up that there's no good movies for like kids anymore that are like made for kids, live action, you know, and and there's nothing like this now. There's, there isn't. There, there's some decent ones that that are that are, you know, okay. Um, but like, what happened to the time? It's just I feel like this time is just it. It's it's a little it's a little bygone. It's a little bygone. Yeah, I mean, like like I feel like nowadays, 
you know, if you want to show a kid, you know, a kid's movie or whatever to, to your kids, like you show them Monster Squad, you show them Stand By Me, you show them, you show them all these from the 80s, you know, I don't know if you show them stuff currently or whatever, but it's nice that we have this. It's nice that we have this to go back to. And yeah. like we both said, I mean, I, we both are in agreement. This was our Goonies, and that takes nothing away from Goonies. I love Goonies. I do truly love Goonies, but this was my Goonies. I watched this so fucking much as a kid, and I love that it holds up in 2021. I love it 43 years old. I still see new things. Like This was the first time that I noticed that Dracula's cape was right over by their clubhouse before, you know, while the camera pans over. I love that I'm still discovering new things about this fucking awesome-ass movie. I'm now remembering that scene specifically, and I do remember, yeah. 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 And it's such a great, it's a great little moment. And yeah, it, I watch it every year. I watch it at least every year. Uh, I was messaging Corey offline in the in the within the span of a year. I probably watched this movie six times, yeah. um, because of my interview with Andre on Two Dollar Late Fee and talking about it on there with a different take, uh, different perspective. Obviously, we didn't break it down, but we both shared our love for the movie. Watching the documentary Wolfman's Got Nards, which again, I'll cheap plug for that. It's really good. You should check it out. And uh, just you know following Andre Gower on Instagram and he's got fun stuff that he does. He did a ton of Instagram live stuff when Wolfman got Wolfman's got nards came out. So, uh, you know, look into that as well. It's good. It's all, all good yeah, stuff. Yeah. But what I love about this is it's a great it is. preview to our upcoming crossover episode because in a weird way it's like we did a little bit of a crossover with this you know in a weird roundabout yeah. way um yeah. because Corey and i if, if for those of you that don't know Corey's going to be joining me on two dollar late fee uh with dustin to discuss um the wraith the wraith and the, the wraith and uh so we'll, we'll have like a free form discussion two dollar late fee style on that ep- on that podcast and then we'll jump on over to podcasting after dark will where i will break where i will break down the wraith um and who knows maybe we can get dustin to jump on for a few minutes in that one <laughs> possibly not because this this is another three hour episode uh that one may go as long as well we'll see maybe not I don't yeah know. Yeah, no, dude, I am super excited. So, yeah, our podcast after dark's next official episode will be the Wraith. Zach will be show running it. Uh, like a lot of time, we don't we don't really announce that on on the shows, but because we're gonna be doing this like crossover thing, I'm going on two dollar lay fee. I'm excited, dude. The Wraith, I've never seen it before, and uh, I know that it is near and dear to your heart. Obviously, yep. uh, I had plenty plenty of chances to watch it last year but at this point sometimes i know what movies to not watch and just kind of save for the podcast and i would rather have my like honest opinion on the podcast so i'm excited to go on two dollar lay fee and talk about the wraith i'm going to be watching it for the first time uh tomorrow I'm gonna edit uh, edit this. Oh, nice. I'm gonna edit this a little bit. Uh, work on on editing this a little bit. Watch the Wraith, and then on Thursday, I think we're gonna record the Two Dollar Lefe uh, review. So I'm excited. And if you don't know Two Dollar Lefe, 
You should. By now, I mean, guys and gals, I'm looking over. This is our 54th proper review, not counting yeah. TV Obscure and all the watch lists and everything. So I'm sure that you know $2 Lafey, Zach's baby. Uh, but Zach, what does $2 Lafey do differently that Podcasting After Dark doesn't do? Well, our show is is, is a nice uh, counterpiece to Podcasting After Dark because where we break down movies on this one. Uh, that one is uh, $2 is on $2. We talk about, we talk about the movie. Uh, we talk about a movie and a song from that movie and historical moments from the time that it came out. And then we always have a follow-up interview with someone connected to the movie. So for example, we're going to be doing the Wraith, obviously this this week uh that'll be our next upcoming episode but then our follow our follow-up will be an interview with one of the stars of the wraith matthew barry who is not featured on the blu-ray of uh vestron blu-ray and he is one of the most prominent characters most important characters in the movie and so they didn't get him for the blu-ray they got a lot of other people but they didn't get matthew barry and he was but, a great but interview. But $2 Lafey did. <laughs> $2 Lafey did. So boom on that. And uh, yeah, you know, where is... Suck it, Vestron. <laughs> suck it, Vestron. We got Matthew Barry. People are going to be like, who the hell's Matthew Barry? Well, if you know the Wraith... I, I don't know, know the Wraith, so don't spoil anything. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not spoiling it for you. But uh, Corey will find out very soon. And I cannot wait for him to watch it. But yeah, we do that. And um, we have a lot of fun on there. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, but however, I, much to the dismay of other podcasts, I think that listen to us and they're like, those guys take themselves seriously. No, we don't. We really <laughs> don't at all. Um, but yeah, that's what we do there. And then I know that you have another sister wife as well, uh, <laughs> over at Cartwright. So tell us, tell us about Cartwright. Yeah. My, my sister wife, uh, Adam, uh, who's my co-host from, uh, from Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are... Going into season seven right now. I think we're a few episodes already into season seven, so we have over a hundred episodes Wild. under our belt. We are a proper uh, after show, you know, type style thing, you know, whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, Adam and I break down. We do the same thing. We go scene by scene and discuss it. Uh, every episode of Seinfeld, fucking Seinfeld. If you if if you like Seinfeld, check out Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. And if Ooh. you love action movies make sure you check out our pals over at action action they are reviewing every single action movie you can possibly think of out there and they're ranking them on a list that is constantly changing and 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 moving and everything's going around and growing and you can follow that list on letterboxd it's a it's a fun it's a fun interactive podcast so check out action action check out our pals over at talking back check out uh you know blast from our past throwback trivia takedown people don't forget and of course two dollar late fee we have a lot of fun i love all of our podcast friends you know what check out ready to retro they're they're not in our network but they're fucking awesome people so check out our pals yeah, over ready to retro they're they're cool people check that out check us out on patreon we got a bunch of cool shit going on and uh as we always say We'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, 
you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.